Hey everyone, welcome to another fun-filled late night episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. Episode 196, I got it right there. My name's Ryan Eliopoulos, and I'm joined with my best buds, as always. We got a Brandon T. McClure up here. Hello. We got Sparks Witty in the corner. Not at your house. Not at our house. I, I don't own the house. I can't afford it. And then I got Ben Magnet in the right. In my own house. In your own house, yes. We are yeah. still quarantine casted. We are extra spread apart because Sparks is visiting some family. So uh, we're actually fully quarantined this time. Look at that. Yeah. We yeah. be here. How you guys doing? Friend. Doing okay. Yeah, hanging in there. Hanging Watch in there. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, who, who wants to go first with their week? Who else? Who wants to go first with their week? I was gonna say I'll that. do it. I'll do it. Good. <laughs> uh, I actually had a lot to do. I did, so I'll just get it out of the way. Um, I caught up completely uh, up to the latest episode that dropped this week of Harley Quinn. Proud so you, of you. You're caught you're up actually. Now? You're mm-hmm. actually now ahead of us because we did not watch this week's episode. That's right, because we're apart. Nice. We're apart. Yeah. So yeah. I, I. That's a good ass show, isn't it? Yeah, the second season is a lot more dramatic than I thought it was. You right? Yeah. Uh, there's some solid stuff in that second season uh, in regards to not just Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, which everyone's heard of what happened, uh, but with Bane and Mr. Freeze. Wait, so uh, what happened between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy? Don't Never worry mind. About it. You're watching. <laughs> I'm messing with you guys. And I know what happens. You, yeah, I was gonna say, just use your imagination, baby. No, no. Someone, I, it, uh, someone used a gif of it on Twitter and spoiled it for me. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that'll happen. Also to, add, also, to add to Brandon, I actually did watch the first episode of Harley Quinn, and I thought it was amazing. And I was started watching the uh, half of the second episode, but then I realized it was 5.30 in the morning, and I had to go to sleep. I, and also, I, I told Benny about it, and she wants to start watching with me, so we're going to probably jump on that soon. Excellent. My battery almost died. Um, yeah, I, uh, I did watch... Uh, all that and I, I will reiterate what i said the first the first time last week when i watched the first season this is the direction those comics need to go this is the best representation of modern day harley quinn that i've ever seen this is the first time this character has ever clicked and made her feel like she was harley quinn that we've been that we've always met always known and the fact that the comic book is not about her trying to figure out if she wants to be a villain or not and uh her relationship with poison ivy DC is losing their mind for not having that book out. Yeah. Um, the fact that that Harley Quinn comic book is about her running a carnival and not this is a crime. Yeah, it's... I wonder, especially, even though it wasn't um, like super financially successful, I wonder if they're just scared to just... Because they have the animated show, and I wonder if that's all they think they need. You know what I mean? Like, this is the route where the adults can get what they want. It's where the, the shippers can get what they want with the two. Um, whereas the comics kind of have to be more safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas they, they don't have to be. You got Black Label. Yeah, exactly. Well, not just that, but like you have open gay relationships all the time. They're just scared to make Harley Quinn gay or even bisexual yeah. um, for whatever reason. They just will. They'll, they're fine hinting at it, but they've been trying to reinvent Harley Quinn so badly ever since 2011 with the new 52 with suicide squad and then her her solo book they've been trying so desperately to 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 change her or or reimagine her or whatever and then the show comes out and i'm looking at it and i'm like that's it that's that that's what you've been looking for Mm -hmm. right it's it's too bad it's just it's just not that direction the comic book would be to me i know there's fans of it uh but like it would be 10 times better for me Mm -hmm. um Anyway, that's enough of that. I finished the great 
the the new the new one from uh, Tony McNamara, the writer of uh, the favorite favorite uh, with Olivia Colman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. Yeah, the show's real good. Was it great? Didn't, eh, eh, you know, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is expression was worth it. That's an easy one. I it, know. It is, uh, I don't care with low hanging fruit. I went for it. The the funny thing about it is in the title card, so it says the great, and then it has an ast- an asterisk pops up, and then occasionally based on a true story. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently, like this is something that he's been trying to adapt. He wrote as a play, and then as a movie, and now as a as a TV series, which he wants to go for six seasons. Wow. Uh, Nicholas Holt is incredible. Uh, Al Fanning is incredible. The whole cast is really great. Uh, if you like the favorite, you're gonna like the great. It's just as good, just as witty, just as funny, just as bleak. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is every bit as good as the favorite, I think. And the more I kind of sit on it, like the favorite, the more I like it. I'm gonna watch it with that guy one day. Um, there's a, it's got a great cast. Uh, there's an episode where I realized that the uh, one of the actors who plays a surf is from Lemony Snicket's The Series of Unfortunate Events, the series. Mm-hmm. So that got me excited. But what happens with him is super sad, and I won't spoil it. Um, uh, Disney Gallery ended this week, so I, find, I watched the last episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. I haven't mentioned that like the last five weeks. I've also been watching that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wanted I to be forgetting. I forget every week what I do. I, I, I wanted to bring yeah. it up because it's the end. And, uh, I, I, mean, I, forget, I, for, I've been, I was on it, and then I stopped. And I was like, oh, we're, let's watch the episode. And then I stopped watching it. I mean, they're they're super quick. And I find them to be super interesting. And watching that last episode uh, and a couple of episodes before, there was a moment where uh, John Favreau says, we wanted to do this show, but we didn't want to base it on Star Wars. We wanted to base it on the things that George Lucas was inspired by. And I found that to be so eye-opening, much like a lot of the show has been for me, but so eye-opening in what the the essence of the Abrams versus Johnson debate is. Abrams based The Force Awakens of the Red Skywalker on Star Wars. Johnson based it on what inspired Lucas to make Star mm. Wars. Um, and that that kind of, I, I think, is the is the key of what makes a good Star Wars is to be inspired by what Lucas was inspired by and try to, like, you know, take inspirations there. But the last episode reveals that Mark Hamill was in it, which was crazy. Um, and, and it talks about the connections with Star Wars and... I just want to bring up that that show is game changing, which we all know with the volume and the fact that this it's so new and that this show can inspire other shows, other movies, even to use things like the volume. I, I think uh, I think that was just really, really great to get that insight and in what I hope to be a really game changing show. Star Wars has always been uh, on the forefront of changing special effects like since, yeah. since the first one. Like we talked, yeah. we talked about it when we did our thing, and I talked about it when I did our uh, uh, downright annoyed thing uh, when we did Star Wars. Um, every every movie, including the prequels, like George Lucas made technology better to uh, amplify storytelling. Now, whether if that's always a good thing or a bad thing is a different story. But like Lucas, Lucas films and like uh, uh, ILM, like we half the movies today are made with ILM. Like right. they're they're they are part of the industry uh, that they helped find so found. So uh, yeah, it's very exciting to see like what the next step of the volume which it's called which is so a, a super dope ass name it's like a comic book name yeah uh, the volume let's go to the volume um it's really exciting like how they can improve on something that seems already amazing yeah i'm so excited to see what where, where it goes i was really surprised the last episode didn't have a tease for season two 
I thought for sure they would drop it then. Um, I when's that second season supposed to come out? Supposed supposedly October, June, July, August. Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're just playing close know. to best because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. Probably. They're probably not even done. It's probably just get, trying to get to the edit. I don't. I mean, I don't mind, but I was just surprised. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, did, speaking of downright nerdy, I did a stream with downright nerdy yesterday. Ryan, Ben, you were there. We sure were. Uh, we we just were. chatted. Um, that was a lot of fun. I think you guys should check that out. I'll link it in the description. I don't. It's not there now, but I will after the fact. Um, I rewatched Knives Out. I just want to mention that the movie is great. Uh, I, I really like that movie a whole lot, and every single time I watch it, I get more out of it. Um, speaking of Star Wars, I finished the campaign for Battlefront Two. Finally. Yes. It's been a while since I finished since I started that. I love the 3D glasses, Ryan. Thank you. Um, and finishing that, I look that game has a lot of problems. That single player campaign has a lot of problems, um, but I think the story is there. It's it's pretty well written, um, and it's that 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 pre Last Jedi era. So it still like leads into like some of the themes that Johnson was was running with and some of the things. And then I just got sad. <laughs> You play the DLC too? Yeah. Yeah, the DLC is cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed it. It's, it's fun. It's short. It took me forever to, just to pick it up and finish it. Uh, I hope the, that's same, the same writers uh, are working on a game we're going to be talking about later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, and I finished Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which is the fifth Uncharted game. Um, spinoff of, of four. That game's awesome. If they continue the franchise like that with uh, Chloe um, or even Cassie, or anything that would be awesome because that that game proved that you can totally continue the series without nathan drake mm-hmm. uh so uh now that you've played that brandon that's what you should expect from a miles morales game about the length of that game good yeah it's a good length i i didn't feel like i wasted any money i didn't feel like i i felt like i had a good bite-sized uncharted that was yeah. satisfying um yeah the gameplay is just as good as four it's basically a clone of four but it's it's a lot of fun i liked it a whole lot um, and then I, uh, I'll do this and then I'll plug something real quick. I read death metal with the new DC, the dark Knights death metal event. I also did that. I think, uh, yeah, I think the I book, personally, I really like the book. I think it's got the potential to at least be, um, not, well, not as good as secret wars. Cause like, you know, who's better than John? I, I just also did a podcast about that, so yeah, <laughs> no, not, not definitely not as good because Scott Snyder's not as good as Jonathan Hickman, but it could be DC Secret Wars, and that's really exciting to me to see that kind of like culmination of a story. Uh, hopefully, it sticks a landing. I know Sparks and I we shared some of our some of our worries before we started recording. Yeah, I mean, like I think you and I were both in agreement that this issue just felt like a prologue issue rather than an actual first issue of the event, yeah. and that already has put me a little in the ooh tempering my expectations on this one and that, um, and that page count that yeah, page count is that, real low for the price that yeah i was gonna say that too 49 no. is, is the price should have a higher page count i uh I, I sped through that book and i'm like wow how much did i spend on it yeah yeah i i, I don't understand why the page count is so high for such low, because generally with events dc or marvel they uh, up the page count and so i was yeah. a little disappointed in that um, but otherwise I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good start. I hope it sticks the landing more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about it once over on the proper episode. And, um, I also finished, I didn't realize I finished it, but I finished Spider-Gwen, uh, or sorry, ghost spider. 
um, the, the 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 third volume of, of Gwen Stacy's Ghost Spider. I did not know that issue that series was supposed was was going to end. Uh, it definitely did not read like it was supposed to either. Um, while we knew that a lot of the the digital title the the print to digital titles that Marvel's going to release, scrapping the print ti- the print issues for a digital release only. While we knew a lot of those were minis, Spider Gwen was an ongoing. So I did not go into it expecting to read the last issue. And Marvel knew that because they put a thing at the end and said, surprise, we're done. The end. <laughs> that was a bummer. Yeah, that sucks. Bad bastards. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks. That book is over. And the last two issues, the last print issue I have is eight. I've collected the entire series, but I won't get nine and ten. Yep. The yeah. last two issues, guys. Come on, throw throw that's a guy. That's messed up. They should just put those issues out. But I mean, to be fair, like with all of them too, all of these digital prints. Like if you're you're not printing the last issue, that's a so, nightmare. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's uh, not like my full pull list, but there's like a, a good selection of books that I'm I'm gonna have to read digitally uh, yeah. because I want to finish the story that I've spent money on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it wouldn't necessarily be a problem if, like Spark said. Uh, uh, digital comics weren't as expensive as as print comics. So, um, if I bought if I bought Death Metal for how much it was digitally, I'd be mad. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shit. No. Yeah, five dollars for that as a digital is ridiculous. Oh, f that. Yeah. F um, that. I so I wrote an article, um, and I put it up on our on our website on my blog page. That's linked below. Uh, just want to plug that real quickly because it's the first bit of writing I've done in a long time and I felt pretty good to get that done. It's kind of explaining the the Diamond versus DC thing, DC leaving Diamond, kind of explaining uh, my thoughts on that and and giving some context to other to other clues and things like that. It's uh, I, I think it's pretty good. It's not my best. I'll you know what's it. you know what's funny is that um I, I because I know what you're talking about, but the, but DC and Diamond are both clothing companies too. So if you were listening to this randomly, I'm like, wow, why is there a clothing war happening? <laughs> the clothing wars, man. Oh no, demolition man too. Uh yeah, I uh that, that's all I did. So that's up online uh, on our website. The link is in the description. Check that out if you want. All right, I'm done. Who wants to go next? I'll go next because it's another week of me not doing a lot. Um, I did go to the comic store, but I didn't read very much. I did pick up this Wolverine versus Sabretooth 3D comic book. That's why I had these 3D glasses. And the 3D actually works really well. And like for a for like a, a, a shitty 3D comic, it's actually really fun. It's actually uh, written by Chris Claremont and drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz. So it actually, it's not a bad comic. Uh, it's a little expensive because it's 3D, but uh, that was fun. Um, I played some more Spider-Man. I'm almost done with that last piece of DLC. I will say the last piece of DLC is is the best piece. Um, it's not really saying a lot, to be honest. And I can I will say if they put this out because they started working on Miles Morales, I, I'll always forgive him. I'll tell just I'll just don't worry about it because they just again the third piece of DLC. It's more screwball missions and it's just like more dudes with different types of weapons that you've already fought. And I'm like. Man, this just feels really lazy. And again, playing Spider-Man's fun, so inherently it's just fun to play. But like, it, it really feels like uh, this was kind of just rushed out because they needed to put something out. Um, uh, uh, the new suits are cool. There's like the the Fantastic Mr. Bagman, where he's wearing a Fantastic Four suit with the bag. That's really fun to play as. There's the Raimi Spider-Man suit, so I've been playing as that and seeing that in cutscenes. It's actually it's actually really fun. Uh, I've been taking a lot of pictures. Um, but honestly, most of my week has been playing a little game called Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. I've played it 
a lot of hours, you guys. I'm already like almost level 60. I've already got my golden form for my Frieza character, whose name is Fridge. Like Fridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game is, it's, it's, I played it when Sparks and I moved in together two years ago. Um, and I, and for some reason it didn't connect with me and I don't know why. So when I restarted it, cause we might start playing it together and stuff. Um, it's really the Dragon Ball Z game I've always wanted because every Dragon Ball Z game we play, it's always Saiyan Saga to Buu Saga. You're always doing kind of the same shit uh, and they're, they're good, but it's generally always the same. Whereas this one, it's kind of doing that, but there are dozens of missions that are just, you know, mo- uh, uh, alternate universe. Like, hey, what if like this happened instead of this happened? Um, the main story is a lot of that. Like, hey, what if Nappa didn't die? So you fight two Ozaru instead of one. Or what if during the Frieza fight with Goku, Cooler shows up? And it's like actually a lot of really, really cool moments that are done in really great cel-shaded PS4 graphics that actually... It's one of the few times that I played a Dragon Ball Z game in recent memory where I don't mind playing the same story for the 12th time in a row. Um, making your character is exceptionally fun because every single character that you beat, you get to you get to fight them and get their powers. So I have a mix of Dodoria and Piccolo uh, as my main powers because like Dodoria has some sweet ass moves and you would never think that because he's just a big pink ugly man. Yeah. Um, so um, I've checked out some of the parallel quests, which are the multiplayer quests. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun once we eventually get into it. I can see where the challenges come in. Um, so uh, I watched a little bit more of what we do in the shadows, like one or two episodes. Um, besides that, uh, I didn't do much. So that's me. Look at my X Men. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you were enjoying Xenoverse uh, yeah. as much as you are, because I think that that's really like it's it's weird to. I almost, almost think Xenoverse 1 is worth going back and playing through just the story of. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Xenoverse 2 does a lot of the same tricks, even if they're done in a different way um, and expands further on that story. But uh, Xenoverse 2 is, um, it's very much, those games are very much the evolution of what Toriyama wanted to do when he was working on a Dragon Ball MMORPG that ran for a few years in Japan yeah. only. Um, and basically all those concepts just came into Xenoverse and became canon there. And uh, I think that's really cool. I like that you can like mentor with characters you defeat. And if you mentor with them all the way up, you get like special things from them. Mine's Piccolo. And uh, uh, whoever is your mentor, he's the person who like becomes like part of the narrator who like narrates like when you did something good. So every time I do something good, Piccolo is like outstanding work. And I'm like, right. thanks, 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 dad. Yeah, because they're like your personal <laughs> teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff there. It's uh, um, also Ben. Uh, yeah. The game is structured like Monster Hunter. Oh, red. I didn't realize that. You go to pick up quests from people. The parallel quests are exactly like the the Monster Hunter board, where you pick one to nine stars of difficulty. That mm-hmm. game's just Dragon Ball Z Monster Hunter. And once I realized that, you can also like do different equipment. So my Frieza guy is wearing sunglasses. Oh, guys, it's a good old time. uh i'll go ahead and and go next uh i also don't have a lot there's been a lot of uh overcooked in my gaming time um a lot of overcooked too uh i brought that with me and i'm playing it on the switch with uh my mother uh which is really nice because i'm in monterey visiting my family um so who's downstairs (laughs) don't go downstairs right (laughs) You should have left. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, that's, I, that's out now. That's out. Now. Yes, it is. I'm very interested in watching it. There was also some like Battlefront gaming. Um, I like Ryan had picked up Spider-Man. I actually started doing a whole bunch of the DLC. I replayed the capture of Kingpin from the beginning of the story just to remind myself how to play. 
And then I was like, okay, now I'll dive into the DLC. So I'm playing some of that. And I completely agree with Ryan that it's very much like this should have just been part of the game. This isn't really, I wouldn't call it expanding as much as it is like bonus mission. Hmm. Um, it's extra credit. Uh, it's, it, uh, I'm definitely it, glad that I picked it up for like five bucks. Yeah, and I'm glad that people like $25 worth of content. It's not worth half of the game. I'll say right. that. No, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely one of those situations where like the DLC when it launches price is not what this is worth, but um, people can pretty much buy for $20 the game of the year edition that includes all of it. And I'd say that's well worth like go out of your way and do that. Yeah. Um, Ryan and Megan and I started a documentary series on HBO called McMillions. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, which has the biggest FBI agent I've ever seen in my life. Doug, um, Doug Matthews. Is yeah. Uh, I wish that he would do movie reviews um, because <laughs> his movie reviews would be comments on his experience, like about how good the seat cushion was and things like that. Cause he's a whack dude. Yeah. Um, Megan and I watched uh, one more episode of star girl. So the third episode of star girl, uh, we're not caught up, but um, that was the first one where I started to think that the show might be- get better. Are you keeping up with star girl, Brandon? Yeah, I'm all caught up. Okay. Um, the third episode is the first one where I've really started to care mm-hmm. um, because they did things that m- make me optimistic. They're going to have her character recognize that it's not a game anymore. I guess mm-hmm. you can say if that's true or not. Uh, if the events of the third episode actually shift her character. Are you talking about the, in the, yes. Yeah. 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 I, okay. I appreciate where that went. Yeah. I think that that was an important moment that needed to happen. Cause up to that point, her character is just very hard to, care for mm-hmm. um she's very unheroic and uh it seems like that's kind of the instigator and i like that it is kind of the thing that goes oh we need more than just us so we need a team and it's going to bring in more of the justice society stuff um so i'm i'm hopeful uh but we'll see that that is in my opinion the best episode of star girl so far <clears throat> um, I, I don't mean th- this isn't meant to be damning but uh it so far it is uh yeah Okay. Uh, that, no, I'm glad to know that because I, it, I'm i glad to know that I shouldn't expect the quality to keep ramping up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that might make me at least appreciate more what's coming rather than hoping like, oh, do that again. Not so I've much. really, I mean, I've enjoyed this since episode one, but I, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah. Uh, it's three is much more the show I want it to be. So we'll see how that all evens out in the end. Sure. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, with friends the movie Escape Room. You might remember trailers for this uh, with Deborah Ann Wall in it. Yeah. Um, and the actor whose name escapes me from Tucker and Dale versus the Evil that isn't Alan Tudyk is in it. Tyler something. Yeah. Um, Tyler they're, they're both standout performances and so is uh, also an up-and-comer um, young uh, black girl who's in it, who's really good. Mm-hmm. Um it was much better than I thought it would be. Um, it's the the quality of its escape room stuff for the most part is pretty creative, um, especially because it's supposed to be like this this sinister corporate version of it rather than, uh, you know, your run of the mill. I went to the studio above a restaurant escape room kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um I thought there were some solid things in it. I I don't know what genre I'd really call it. I guess it's kind of suspense thriller. It's not, um, I was nervous that it was going to be kind of gore 
pornish mm-hmm. uh with in the saw category it's not in that category at all i also wouldn't call it a horror movie because it doesn't fit that either um there's there's a lot more interesting concepts to it than i anticipated however all of this being said um the movie suffers from a very heavy-handed the game is on ending um which is that essentially uh the people who escape the escape room figure out that there's actually like a whole evil entity planning the reasons behind the escape room existing and they're gonna go after it and man do they hit that button they hit that button real Wait, hard for like, school. Like supernatural? No, no, like the head of an evil corporation. Oh, okay. okay. But like in a way where it's 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 very uh you, you it, the when it first starts you feel like it's just a a well it well-funded tech company that's gone a little off the rocker. When you get to the end it's like, "Oh no, this is like an Illuminati level organization that's uh it 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 became like near the uh organization in assassin's creed the original games that kind of level of like this is how steeped in society it is and it's like oh my god what um so we'll we'll see apparently it did get a sequel greenlit it's coming there will be another um there's definitely some like i i would nitpick it in in like a separate forum than this uh but it it's worth a watch in a way that i didn't anticipate i thought it was going to be worse than it was it's it's actually worth a pretty good watch um yes real quickly may i add i also started love victor oh yes the spinoff of love simon uh that's real good that's really good um on our drive down here megan and i started listening to an audio uh adventure that came out just this last month called escape from virtual island uh starring paul rudd and jack mcbrayer oh which is pretty fun uh the concept is essentially that paul rudd owns a virtual theme park um, where people come and they enter virtual reality pods and it basically creates any fantasy that they want and they lose somebody in the in the programming system so they have to go in and find out what happened and uh the the script is pretty interesting the performances are good we're only in the first hour and a half of it it's about four and a half hours but uh, that's that's pretty cool if anybody's aware of it and wants to check it out and you like audio plays. And the last thing I'll cover is that uh, I read this comic book. I think you guys might have heard of it. Um, I read Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. Oh, <clears throat> uh, to I haven't heard of that one. Oh, well, uh, so I'll, I'll definitely reference it a lot more in our topic because it's actually related. Oh, um, I can't <laughs> wait to find out why. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, that was that was an interesting little like step back kind of to a similar era of time to our book club um and almost around the same exact period actually almost almost yeah yeah. um and uh just what was being written for the teen titans at the time was a little more uh it just wasn't what i anticipated when i was uh jumping into it for writing and i was like i was i was impressed in places um honestly i have i don't have a lot of bad things to say about the books uh i thought that arc was pretty solidly told um with the exception of maybe like one or two beats, but uh, in comparison to the film, we'll talk about it later. And that's pretty much my week. A lot of the rest of it was prepping to travel, travel, being here with my family, um, which I appreciate the the time to be able to do that. So, oh, and I got tested for if I had the coronavirus or not before I came here, and I do not. So, yeah, cool. Uh, I thought the twist was going to be like, oh, I, I do now. That would be oh, terrible. No. 
That would be terrible. I, I forgot. Um, I was uh, I was part of three live streams this weekend. I should probably mention them because I forget every single weekend. I was on the one with uh, Brandon and Ben, uh, where it's just uh, uh, Michael Carlos of Downright Annoyed uh, shooting shit. I was also part of my the weekly Saturday. Uh, um, Emma, uh, sorry, um, a Downright Annoyed movie uh, club where we talked about the 1994 Polly Shore classic in the army now and guys that's one of the worst movies ever made um <laughs> it's legitimately i didn't laugh a single time it's 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 the thing that ruined paulie shore's career uh i don't know why he had one in the first place but uh i, I was regret... gonna say i've never liked paulie shore in anything so no like... i don't know who has apparently his mom <laughs> like his parents own the comedy cellar which is like one of the world's most famous uh uh, comedy cl clubs so apparently that helped him get famous or something paul, paul um, shore sits very squarely in that same andy dick category to me andy dick is the side is the second character in that movie i'm not Shit. surprised that i was about to ask i was about to ask oh i, I know i remember I watching this movie for it it's really bad it's really no, bad um, i remember watching this movie years ago and because it's about these two guys who join the army and then they're it's, they're doing like the water purification thing right yeah, it's it's oh, the God. movie Stripes with Bill Murray, but way worse. Oh, I've never seen. Oh man, I should probably should have seen Stripes because you you no, I, I remember. No, I remember watching that movie a long time ago and just being, eh. Yep, that that's it. <laughs> oh Lord, that Andy Dick totally is in a Voyager episode. I'm getting to actually. That's, that's Tank, Tank Girl. Girl. That's Tank Girl. Bless her heart. <laughs> and sorry. And the last one uh, that I did was um, I did it an hour ago or less than an hour ago. It was the the Comic Corps Modern Men episode, which will premiere tomorrow. Uh, they pre-record them where we talked about my favorite Marvel event, Secret Wars. I bullied my way into there because I was like, hey, let me be on it. They're like, cool. So uh, I was part of that. And then we talked about grading and um, slabbing comic books, you know, like uh, CGC and stuff like that. So that's a great episode. Check that out on their website, website on their YouTube channel tomorrow. That's Very all. awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link the live shows below. I always forget to do that. I'll do that this week. Hey, I forget to even mention them. So it's I true. <laughs> uh, ben, I guess it's your turn. Yeah. So I actually had a pretty decent week. Uh, I actually, I actually did some stuff for once in my life. Um, uh, Fanny and I, we celebrated our six year anniversary this week. We've been together for six years. So, I mean, normally when we do, when we, uh, and once our anniversary, we either like go to Disneyland or a theme park. But since they're all still closed right now, we weren't able to do it. But what we did do instead was go to the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana, California, to because they had the Walt Disney Archives exhibit. Hmm. Uh, the archives itself bring us fifty years of being a thing, and they and the archives was able to take out some old artifacts from like from past Disney films, um, some props, merchandise, some uh, films. So yeah, some Fox films too. My favorite okay. Disney princess, the Xenomorph. The Xenomorph. <laughs> Apparently, that was from the the Great Movie Ride that was in Disney's Hollywood Studios over in Florida. Yeah, which oh. I never got to go on that ride, and I wanted to be go on that. Now I want I I can't because it's uh, Mickey's uh, Runaway Train Ride. I like this um, one better, Ryan. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good X-Men background. You heard it here first. Brandon hates women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sliding on my chair. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oof. Then yeah. So seeing the archives was really really cool, and I also had to pick this up. It's a little um, a little uh, it's a vinyl of um, 
uh, sources are printed from Vantasia. <laughs> what is it? Say it again. It's, it, it's a vinyl. It's a vinyl record. Oh. Yeah. Cool. 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 Does it play? Yeah, it does. You can actually, yeah, you, there, the music for Sorcerer's is it, Apprentice is on here. Is it just Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia? It's just, yeah, it's just Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia. Just that one piece? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I think one one has a narration by uh, Sterling Holloway, and the other is just the um, orchestra piece. Gotcha. Nice. But either way, I mean, a vinyl player? Uh, not yet. He's going to go buy one. Eventually. Okay, never mind. I tried to back you up. Hey, I bought a cassette. Hey, at least Faye was not mad at me for getting this one because she actually got mad at me for buying that cassette. Remember, Brandon? I remember. Yeah, yeah. but see, the, the, the vinyl, it's thin. It's thin like a crepe, like a thin pancake. So you can hide that very easily. Yeah. But that, so What's I got this? That. Watch this. That's so, that's, that's I swear. <laughs> I'm holding it for a friend. <laughs> no, but... uh. Yeah, the uh, the exhibit was really cool. I got to see a whole bunch of really neat stuff. Fanny got to see some stuff that she's never seen before, and the whole time. And we uh, they also had like the handprints for the like the Disney Legends. So I got to see Robert Williams' handprint, Elton John's handprint. Um, it was really neat. I would definitely recommend checking it. Out. It's only twenty five bucks to get into the to to get into the exhibit, and once you get into the exhibit, you're free to walk around the rest of the museum as well. So I highly recommend it. It's really good, especially for us who are diehard Disney fans and Disneyland's still close and we're probably not going to be able to go for a good long while, even if it does open up on the 17th. So it, it, it helps. Then uh, Ben, how at risk of coronavirus did you feel while you were there? Not very. Um, they straight up said like right before we went to the, um, it was very, pretty empty. And everyone was wearing masks. There was a sign outside that said, if you're not wearing a mask, we're not going to let you in. So uh, I saw I saw your Instagram stories, Ben, and I saw two people who were wearing their masks. So it was here. Oh, not here. Oh yeah. Which is why I was at. And for the audio audience, I'm saying oh. below their nose. Yeah, below the nose. Oh. Yeah. But Ben, I saw what mask you were wearing. Why don't you plug it? Yeah, I was also wearing the fake nerd podcast mask from uh, Crafted by Z. Plugs and gags. Link in the description. Those are still on sale. Uh, we we sold a couple. Uh, made made to order, uh, twelve dollars. Actually, right now they're on sale, fifty percent off. So you know, both the, the mask, both the mask and the plugs. We don't sell plugs. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not what well, museum was. The museum was nice. I had a. It was really cool seeing all those old, seeing those old artifacts. Like seeing the the first ticket that Roy bought to Disneyland. Ticket number one was really cool. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I saw I saw your Instagram story. I really like the um the storybook props. I thought those were really cool. Oh yeah, those were beautiful. Apparently, because there's like a little thing that I guess in the Sleeping Beauty one, it actually has illustrations inside of it too. It's not mm-hmm. just the single prop. It's not just like the book you open up. There's nothing. Yeah. But apparently, that thing cost fifteen hundred dollars to make back in 1959. Damn. Yeah. That's like a seven billion dollars. I don't think that's how math works, Ryan, but... No, yeah, inflation. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think it's that high. But other than that, it was really cool. I mean, I put a bunch of pictures up on my Instagram, so if you want to check it out, go there. Yeah, check those out, guys. Looks fun. Um, it looks really fun. Uh, yeah. Shall we move into our B&B? Yes, you guys go ahead. I already looked at what you're about to start. Ta- oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to hang around for the first bit of news, but then when you get to the Academy stuff, I'm going to dip for a moment to get a charger plug because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need that. Okay. And here's your bread. 
and your butter. He's been butter. Okay, okay, not in my ear, thank you. Uh, yes, as Spark said, the first thing we talked about. Um, Ian Holm, Sir Ian Holm, uh, Bilbo Baggins himself, has passed away this week. He passed away this week after battling Parkinson's disease. So he was he had Parkinson's, uh, age of eighty eight years old. It's still yeah. it's still a, a hell of a life, and that dude's been acting for like for sure like the sixties, man. What a, what a yeah. career! Alien, uh, he's you know he's Ash and Alien, the first android we see in that franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I said Bilbo Baggins, you know, Lord of the Rings classic. Um, I really like him in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Look, I'm alone in loving that movie, and but I'll die. I will die on that on that hill this week. The Kenneth Branagh uh, one, yeah, with Robert De Niro. No, I like that movie too. Yeah. Awesome, you're on the hill with me. Yeah, it's a good hill. Yeah, um, he's I in that. He's... The monitor. <laughs> <laughs> Where he is plays... he? Plays uh, Frankenstein's dad, um, and he's he's great. He's great in it. I really like that movie. But he's always been such a wonderful actor. I I know him from um, the Aviator. And I know him from um, the adaptation of Alan Moore from Alan Moore's From Hell, which is based off Jack the Ripper, where he's spoiler alert, he's Jack the Ripper. Oh, uh, that's great! Yeah, he is. Um, the movie's fine, but uh, he is so good in it. Like, if you want to watch just a good, a good him, that he's really good in it. Yeah, very obviously, scary. Chariots of Fire. He's very famous for. Um, yeah, it's a real tragedy to lose a such a thespian. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. As Sparks said, we're talking about the Academy Awards now. Bye, Sparks. Um, Bye. I'll be back. You come <laughs> back because I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> um, I told you to go before we left the station. I did. <laughs> a lot of water. Um, yeah. So, as Sparks alluded to, uh, the Academy Awards had, were in the news this week, pushing uh, everything, rightfully so. Um, they have moved the official awards ceremony from its uh, from its normal date of uh, February to April. It will now be held on April 25th, 2021, which has extended the eligibility because obviously theaters are closed for a couple of months um, and it's going to take a while, but the eligibility is now up to February 28th, 2021. So it's no longer December uh, 31st. Cool. All right. A couple more months. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the nominations will be announced in, in March, March 15, 2021. But the big news that they really dropped was that the Academy Museum, which they've been talking about for about two years now, looks incredible. I really want to go. Uh, that will now be opening on April 30th, 2021. So after okay. the next Academy Awards, the 91st Academy Awards. All right. Let's, let's hope uh, the, the United States is in a good enough place where I'd want to go to a big old museum. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, I would really like to to check it out it's apparently really it's supposed to be really cool yeah I got lucky. oh yeah i got lucky the bowers museum it's small like yeah. it, it, it's a small museum and there's this one this this grand it's not like a huge room but it's a pretty decent sized room they had little markers on all the bottom that said like hey stay six feet like make sure you're six feet away from other people yeah and it's even a- all the other all the other visitors when i was when i when i was at the museum in the disney thing we were trying to like what we know is like, oh, we're a little closer, so we would make sure we back away and we were respecting each other. Keep space room for Jesus. Mm. Uh, okay. The other thing, the other two things that happened this week, as far as like the industry goes, is that Sparks disappeared. Um, Breaking news: <laughs> uh, Emerald City Comic Con uh, has been canceled, but however, it will hold a digital event. Remember, they moved their their date from oh, yeah. uh, from I think March. 
or April, March, yeah, March uh, to August. But now they're just we're not going to have it this year. We'll come back next year and we'll do a digital thing in, in August this year. Yeah. Um, whereas Celebration, Star Wars Celebration, held every two years, uh, has decided to skip this year as uh, has skip this year and will be held in two years from now. So, oh, wow. so is it doing a three-year or a four-year wait? A four-year wait. Four-year wait. What, what? That's. I mean, I, I, I guess being safe, but that's like extra safe. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Let me. Well, because they they are only held every two years. Yeah. Um. So let me let me double check that date because they might just move it to next year. Because um, I don't why they wouldn't just push it to to next year. Yeah. Seriously. Uh. I I felt the same way, but I was surprised when I saw the date of the next thing. Um, okay, so I am. Oh yeah, Star Wars Celebration will return to Anaheim Convention Center on August eighteenth to the twenty first, two thousand twenty two. Damn. Yeah. I guess they'll just wow. announce new stuff when they want instead of having like a big old. Probably. Yeah. Well, let's realistically let's like just quickly think about it. Uh, well, Sparks isn't here. Um, they they got the High Republic, but that's not that's not movies. So that's yeah. They don't they don't care about releasing books and comic news just on the internet. Yeah. Um, game stuff again i think it's mostly just like big movies and animated stuff that they would it would be play. they would probably take mandalorian season two obviously yeah um they would take taika waititi uh to talk about what the uh what his movies would be and probably show obi-wan again yeah. being like hey remember we're doing this still mm-hmm. yeah next year uh, yeah so i wonder if possibly they ju- they just do they would have just done that but i mean with the covid shutdown they haven't been able to film anything or start anything so yeah. they would really have no footage yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it's they know better than us. Like, we don't. We can wait. There's nothing pressing. And if there is, they'll just release a trailer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is uh, Sparks coming back? I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. He's, uh, not, he's still technically in the call. He's just yeah. not here. Yeah, he just cameras. I was, I'm just gonna assume he's taking a big old dump. Okay, maybe he texted me. Hold on. No, he didn't text me. No, it's because he's taking a big old dump, and he's, he's never not. gonna. Know, he's never gonna know I said that. <laughs> Good job, Sparks. Um, okay, we're into, uh, there's a lot of comic book news happening this week. Oh, uh, yay, yay for us! Um, free comic book day. You know, big a lot of big questions of what's happening with certain events. Free comic book day is one of the biggest events in uh, in comic book retailing uh, ever. Um, you know, the all the publishers release free comic books. It's a lot of fun. I've worked it. Uh, it's it's great. Um, but it had to be canceled this year because of the first Saturday of May. Uh, and everything was shut down by then. So they finally said what they're going to do with those books because they have them and they have to do something with them. Um, rather than wait till next year, they're actually going to release uh, fake, uh, fake, sorry, uh, free comic book day titles five at a time every week from July 15th to September 9th. Wow. So instead of releasing them all in one day, they're going to put them in the shipments of uh, participating retailers and just let the retailers release them as they as they come or uh, when they want. Oh, that's neat. There is a full list. I put the full list of the free comic book day titles and the dates that are coming out in the description below. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, I'm not going to list them all because it's that's a lot of weeks. Um, but I will say that we knew about the the X Men books were coming, uh, but DC's books we weren't sure. Um, DC had originally had free, uh, two free comic book t- t- day titles, Generation Zero and a kid's book. Where that, where's that Generation Zero at? Yeah, so... Where are you at, 5G? The... I mean, who, who even knows? <laughs> uh, so, but also, between then and now, uh, DC no longer distributes through Diamond. 
and Free Comic Book Day is a diamond only event. They put it on. It's their event. So they, uh, so looking at the list, the DC Kids title is included, but Generation Zero is not. So it's clearly not. So Generation Zero not being included, um, but is, if they, if both DC titles are gone, I would just assume it was just because DC no longer distributes. But the fact that there is that kids book, Generation Zero was pulled. Yeah, dog. That is, I again, we don't know how far along they were, so I wonder if they're they're cutting off these books and just gonna do like a truncated version of it, maybe make it like a mini event, or yeah. they're just gonna wipe it all. We don't know. Because the book, we would have had these books by now. That's yeah. the weird, that's the weird thing. We like, I, I don't, I just don't know what to make of this. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't either. I'm just, I'm, I'm, from a again, from a publishing standpoint, when you have an initiative like this huge 5G, whatever it is, like the next big thing, and you just stop doing it, what, like, how, what do you do? How do you yeah. deal with that? What do you put in its place? It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I told you guys that whatever 5G is. Uh, whatever it was, I think it has become uh, something that Bendis is working on. Uh, so I don't know if we'll get those Generation 1 shots, although I kind of want them. Yeah, um, But we're certainly not in Generation 0. And what's what's funny is they they stuck with that time, that, that like the, the timeline thing, right? We're like, yeah. so you could still release those Generation books that aren't about the 5G stuff, about the past. You could still yeah. release those and it wouldn't be a big deal unless the contents in them are directly tied to 5G. Right. So and they have they're all about uh, Wally Manhattan Wally going through the timeline, and I like it whenever they revisit timelines. I think that's a lot of fun, uh, but I just didn't want this an event. Yeah. Um. Again, I, I'm. It's gonna be really interesting to see in like two months what books are out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Right. Anyway, so that's exciting. Free comic book day titles. Can't wait for the X Men ones and the the X Men one and the Venom one. Yeah. Um. I any. Patrick Gleason on Spider-Man. Uh, win, 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 win. Oh, yeah. And we get to learn about Donnie Cates' new Venom event. And mm-hmm. we get to meet Virus. Excited. Um, speaking of X-Men, Ten of Swords is coming. It was oh, pushed, boy. but it's coming. Not only was it pushed, it was extended. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Marvel has released the official checklist for the next for the big X-Men, Jonathan Hickman event, Ten of Swords. It is, 20, it is a 24-part crossover what hey so um i'm sorry i'm sorry you guys for me this is incredible um remember at the beginning when they were like hey you don't need to read all the x-men books uh they lied to you yeah because ben this is one of those types of events where part one is in hellions part two is in x-men part three is in new mutants part four is in children of the atom um so that sucks because that makes you buy 12 x-men books yeah, and for me, that's great. I'm gonna uh, for the for the core X Men fans. This is w- w- this is also not the first time the X Men have done this. X Men is one of the only groups where, like in the '90s, in the Age of Apocalypse, there were literally like 16 books on going on at once. Like it's when they capitalize on it, they go hard, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes it leaves people in the dust. So for people who aren't reading everything, sorry, um, buy the trade, I guess. There, there will be one shots uh, to kind of cap off the chapters and start the next chapter. It's set up in, two, in three chapter chunks coming out in each month. Uh, look, I'm into the X-Men books. I'm excited for Ten of Swords. I guess I'm picking up 24 titles. 
see and again that's that that's the that's the thing like are you going to invest just this one time into all the books because they are all connected this time mm -hmm. um if it is set up in a way that that it is part one two three then i should be able to just pick up those books and not yeah. have to worry about what had come before yeah that's it would just be one long narrative because that's what i was thinking too because if they're doing that like if like this is part one tennis that is in hellions or in the x-men title or or whatever but it's the still a long cohesive story then f it i'm buying 24 books yeah um i mean but i get like oh no you don't but but if it's one of those things like you should have read everything else beforehand to understand hell to ten of swords then i'd be like mm. no that's why they're releasing two prelude books they're basically releasing two zero issues because uh, it, yeah. it, uh, the two be such a big book the two prelude issues are excalibur number 12 and x-men number 12 yeah. oh cool uh, those getting... are already oh those are already in my poll so yeah, yeah. um okay i'm very excited um it's this this is one of the biggest again besides like things like sicker wars like this is one of the biggest marvel events like tie-in things that they've ever done and mm -hmm. it's because they got someone like hickman who's able to who be, be the brainchild and feed it all to the bottom and everyone can just like soak up the nutrients like roots right. it's like trickle down economics but it actually works yeah it's good trickle down economics the first the first official part will be ten of swords uh creation written by jonathan hickman with art by pepe laraz so that is exciting and i put the link of the of the checklist in the description below if you guys want to check that out it's wild yeah man it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, uh big big and huge and full of long hard things <laughs> <laughs> sounds like every night yeah. oh my <laughs> um yeah made the, of steel silver other cool stuff how'd you know hmm. see uh, i i use vibranium because the the reviving the reviving friction i'm sorry we've gotten a little too uh, far i was gonna say uh, a mine's at a maximum because it never breaks Ouch. speaking of rated r uh <laughs> She-Hulk is getting a spin-off of Empire of Empire called The Immortal She-Hulk. What? Mm. Uh, written by Al Ewing with art by John Davis Hunt. Uh, the solicit reads, The events of Empire have changed everything for Jennifer Walters. Now she seems to have a new lease on life, but things are never that simple for the Gamma Powered. All Ewing, uh, Al Ewing gives She-Hulk the immortal treatment with a horrifying standalone tale. Yeah. So, um... Um... We don't know what we know what Empire is kind of about, but we don't know like like what the story of Empire is, right? Like we know um, Hulkling finds out that he's he's part Kree and part Scroll, so he is actually like uh, prophesized to be the galactic overlord of the universe. So all the universes, all the alien races of the universe unite under this new Hulkling overlord, and he is going to uh, like basically, I guess, take over the universe. In in he thinks he can do a better job than everyone else because he's been uh, he's been like he's Harry Potter. He's a prophesized boy, right? When you're told you're going to be the prophesized boy, you're a prophesized boy. So what that means for Earth, we don't know. How that turns She-Hulk into the mortal Hulk, we don't know. Um, but the fact Al Ewing's still doing it, it's all I need. Yeah, one of the things that got me excited about this is that I am reading Avengers. And uh, like all the Hulks, there's something wrong with Jennifer Walters. Mm -hmm. uh she is not the same she, she's not the same she hulk that she has been uh something has changed within her and it was always kind of a question because uh they never really alluded to to uh her the reason why she's uh she's not working um in the jason aaron book uh so i was starting to question whether or not they were related but 
seeing this, I'm wondering if they're gonna like finally explain why Jennifer Walters has been like this since the start of Avengers. I real I really hope so because um, if they're not related and he just wanted to make her like the way she is, just being like a Hulk monster, mm-hmm. um, that really does negate a lot of the character development she's had in, in, over the years. And I hope there's a legitimate reason for her to just become a brainless monster because yeah. she is ne- like again, it's for a story thing, but she she is she's not the Hulk. That's the whole point of her character. She's a lawyer. Like that's yeah. her. That's what, she, that's what she does as the Hulk. She's a lawyer. And there's a, there's some things there's some things in Aaron's run that alludes to the fact that you know Jennifer is worried, you know, scared of the change and the reason why and the reason why she Hulk is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's never there's never been any allusions to the Green Door. There's never been any. She's never died, so there's yeah. never been any resurrections. So we don't know if it is related. My gut says they are because they're all Hulks. All the Gamma powered are are affected every we've read the first volume of hulk sasquatch is is was infected so mm-hmm. i wonder I, i'm excited to see if they are in fact related that'd be nice um sparks is still not here um i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about whatever the next new thing is and i'm then i'm gonna go to the bathroom because i'm dying i'm ppm i'm ppm uh, to the max hbo max you can go to the bathroom now. No, I'll you. I'll talk about it first because this is I was right. I did not read what the story was before I said I liked the idea, and then I read the story and I'm like, oh my god. So HBO Max is putting out uh, three digital comics, uh, with DC Comics, um, written by Ivan Cohen with art by Scott Eaton, Hendry Presetia, and Lara Braga. This is three single issue comics, by the way, not not three series, three single issue comics. Um. It's a three-part digital series. Will feature multiple Easter eggs that hint at the content on HBO Max. That's <laughs> not what broke me. It's it's it's. You need to get to the characters. No 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 no. Here's not, that, that's that's it. I've just good. Continue. So it will revolve. Each issue revolves around one, one hero, Hector, a teacher who becomes an interstellar hero when he finds a strange device, Brian. A scuba, a scuba diver who gains aquatic powers, and Olivia, a stand-up comic with elastic abilities. Hector, Brian, Olivia. Oh, no! Oh, no, wait. Did you miss the part where one of their dogs name was Max? I, no, I, I, I just didn't write that down because I, I, I honestly didn't believe it. Yeah. Um. So, okay. Uh. So before I even read the headline, like an idiot, I was just like, oh, cool. HBO wants to get into making comic books. Like, I'm okay with that idea. You know, uh, fresh ideas. Maybe do like HBO original comic books. I thought that's I thought that's what it was before I read anything about it. Before I clicked on it, and, I, and HBO was the anagram of their names, and then Max was the name of their dog, and they're gonna have teasers and Easter eggs to shows that HBO's had. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bathroom now. Bye. <laughs> oh. Okay. It's not just that. They pretty much, they're also ripping off Green Lantern, Elongated Man, and Aquaman, essentially, for these characters. Yeah, seriously. It's not uh, It's not even a, a strange device to become an interstellar hero. That's freaking Green Lantern. Uh, aquatic Powers, Aquaman. Uh, elongated Woman, okay? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's re- I did it's... not catch the Hector, Brian, and Olivia bit. I did not catch that. Yeah, but, it's... It, uh, Jim Lee is doing the artwork. Amanda Connor. Um, so uh, look, it's got people on it. I don't think it's it a does. good idea. Nor do I think it's, it's going to be not. any good. I don't think so either. I this just like if 
at first I'm like, cool, they're making comics. That's awesome. Like, put, let's put something else on that streaming service. Even though you have a streaming service that's that's dedicated to everything comics, which is called DC Universe. I don't know why the fuck you're just throwing that in the wayside. <laughs> what the hell are they thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I know. Just this whole thing is like where HBO Max is like, hey, we're going to put comics on our thing. Is like, I feel like Sparks and uh, Ryder in the back is like, what about DC Universe? What now? What? We can't hear you. What oh, about? You mean, okay, next question. You mean that dying app? Yeah, that poor dying app. You know what? If they wanted to just like scale down and be like, it's just a comics app like Marvel Unlimited, I'm okay with that. They better yeah, see, bring that, that price be, down too. Shit. That would be smart, but I just don't think they're in the in the business of smart decisions. <laughs> I mean, I have yet to see any proof of that. <laughs> I mean, hell, at least, at least, because um, we talked about it last week. Sparks, you're back. Thanks oh, for joining us. He lives. He lives. Yay. Hi. Sorry, guys. Uh, what I miss? Uh, we and, were talking uh, about. Uh, <laughs> go through all the news. We were talking. We just talked about to the max. We're just finishing talking about the HBO Max comics. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we talked about um, Free Comic Book Day and the Immortal She Hulk. Yep. 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 And Ten of Swords. Okay. Um, DC Fandom is coming guys this is a 24-hour event uh virtual fan convention putting on by dc dc um dc and warner brothers uh starting on august 22nd it's going to be um i'm gonna have to paint you a picture unfortunately because the it's a picture um so there's like like, like one of my french girls like one of your french girls one of your french girls yes oh. um, <laughs> Um, so it's it's it. So the virtual thing is comes in a map. You go to the website; it's a map. It's got a kind of a a, a, a thing in the middle, and then a couple branching lands. Kind of thinking about like Inside Out, the dreams, the dreamscapes, and Inside Out. Um, it's a so at the epicenter uh, is going to be the House of Heroes, um, which has special pro, which we're going to have quote special programming, uh, panels, and content in over five different languages. Wow, that's cool. cool. Then, branching off of that, is DC Watchverse. The quote says, here's where you grab a seat. Sit back and join our virtual audience and become completely engrossed in hours of must-see content from around the world. Everything from panels and exclusive screenings to never-before-seen footage featuring cast, creators, and behind-the-scenes crew from across DC Films, TV, home entertainment, and games. Uh, This is supposedly going to have looks at Wonder Woman 84, Justice League The Snyder Cut, Are you you telling me this is like DC Daily? The next branch is DC (laughs) (laughs) Uber. God. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, This is uh, we're so the August twenty second. We're going to see clips of the Snyder Cut, Black Adam, whatever they got of Black Adam, um, the new the whatever they got. They're going to show us so. Um, DC Uverse is the next one. Venture into the world, this world where the fans are the stars to see the most amusing user generated content, cosplay, and fan art from around the world, including perhaps your own. Okay, DC Kids Verse need a way to entertain your kids for hours on end. It starts like that. That was weird. Uh, um, do you hate your kids and want to pawn <laughs> them off at entertainment because four uh, forms illegal? So, here's something to keep them quiet for a few hours. Uh, we've got you covered inside a special world, which can be ex- accessed directly at dckidsfandom.com. 
This area features a broad range of family-friendly activ- activations for your, our younger fans. By the way, Zack Snyder posted a thing, a clip of, of, the, of the Snyder Cut. Sure, whatever. Looks very familiar. Um, and said, see you in the dome. It is fan dome. D-O-M-E. For those of you who were not caught, catching on in the audience. So it's like... Doug Dimmadome. Doug Dimmadome. Dim- 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 <laughs> um, DC Kidsverse. DC Insiderverse, this creative creativity-based world contains a centerpiece video featuring legendary DC CEO publisher Jim Lee, president of DC-based film production Walter Hamada, and creator of the DC t- TV Arrowverse executive producer Greg Berlanti, welcoming fans with a, with a this is lol style, but I think they meant 101 style, one-on-one style. <laughs> um, a one-on-one style introduction to the DC multiverse. From there, go behind the scenes with the master artisans who bring DC to life in all its forms, from comic books to games, TV, movies, theme parks, consumer productions, and more. This is a lot of stuff. And then DC Funverse is the final, the fifth and final. Take your DC fandom experience and gather cool shareables. Check out our comic book reader, do-it-yourself cool Wonder Woman 84 golden armor and Batmobile kits, plus digital giveaways in a store filled with merchandise, including some limited edition exclusives. So this is like a new entertainment branch? So I wasn't entirely clear, and it's not made entirely clear, whether or not this is a one-day thing that is running for 24 hours or an ongoing thing. Because the kids thing is like, you could do it any time, it sounds like. Yeah. But if it's yeah. 24 hours. So what I think it is, is it's always going to be there, um, but all the exclusive stuff is happening on that one day, on that first day. Okay. So then afterwards, you'll just have the same clips of the Snyder Cut and Black Adam. It sounds like this is everything except the shows, movies, and uh, comics. This is replacing the DC Universe community thing that the app was meant to provide and expanding it. Yeah. Um, so I think this is just further step of them getting rid of DC Universe and f- for some reason thinking DC fans are so dedicated they need all these different branches. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of DC Comics, they have, they have launched a deal with Spotify. Um, Spotify has teamed up with H- with WBDC Comics to produce a series of scripted podcasts. That's all we know, but they will be based on DC characters. That's cool. That's fine. Uh, the Wolverine podcast that I listen to and the Marvel Voices podcast are excellent. So if yeah. they're anywhere that quality, Serial Serial Box has also been doing a series of audio dramas with uh, Thor and now Jessica Jones. Yeah. Oh, well, I like those. I like those. Um, and then finally, on com- on the comic book front. Uh, Stranger Things is getting a crossover with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the Stranger Th- and Stranger Thing meets Dungeons and Dragons, written by Jody, Jody Hauser and with and Jib Zub, Jim Zub, sorry. Oh my uh, god, with, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and art by Diego Galindo. Um, that's all Joe, we know. Yeah. Jody all writes we- the Stranger Things comic, and Jib Zub Zub writes the Dungeons and Dragons Rick and Morty comics. Yeah. So like that's literally like there's no better people than that um this is the this is an intercompany crossover with um idw and dark horse i imagine it'll be exactly what that rick and morty comic is is where the people that we follow are playing dungeons and dragons just Mm -hmm. it won't be real in an alternate reality like in rick and morty it'll just be their imaginations or whatever yeah this is so this is out in november and that's that's all we got that's cute yeah all right we got some video games news once again uh summer of games is that what you called it ryan that what they call no, it? That's what, that's well, no, that's that's one of the that's IGN's thing that they're doing. Got it. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna talk about the the, the big news uh, first. Pokemon Cafe Mix 
is coming. That's not the big news. You're right. It's Pokemon Smile. Oh, that's not it. Um, Pokemon Snap? That's the one! <laughs> yes, uh, they announced three Pokemon games. The only one we give a shit about is Pokemon Snap. The only one I give a shit about is Pokemon Snap. Screw the other two. That I is exactly what I no, said. No, that's fair. That is fair. I will say, uh, even though uh, we'll talk about, I'll talk about the Pokemon Smile trailer now. I think that is an awesome way for kids to brush their. I think that is a cool thing for kids, for little kids. It what makes them want. Did you not watch it. the trailer? We have. I saw, the po- I saw the Pokemon Snap trailer. Hmm. Okay, there's Ben Pokemon Smile. Before you, yeah, you read on it. Before you even talk about, it, you see it. It's a mini game on your phone that helps kids brush their teeth for two minutes, and it helps. And they, you capture Pokemon, and they do oh. mini games to help kids keep uh, hyg- hygienic and stuff. Oh, that is actually a really good yeah, idea. It's it is a, a really good idea. A good idea. That's why I said the only thing I care, the only thing we yeah. care about is Pokemon Snap. Because obviously we're exci- we're all excited for Pokemon Snap. Snap. Yeah, Pokemon uh, Cafe Mix. Yeah. Yeah, Pokemon yeah. Cafe Mix is a puzzle game where Pokemon work in a cafe. Like it's fine. It's, well, it's I, a figured, free, I figured I figured puzzle game. Yeah. yeah, I figured the first the first two were like mobile games because I know they're they're going to mobile games. I mean, Pokemon Smile. That's actually oh, that's actually a mobile game to help kids brush your teeth. Cool, but it looks cute. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for them. I'm probably little chibi, and, little chibi Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's adorable. But besides that, Pokemon freaking Snap, my dudes. This How is one of those long? games. This is one of those games that, like Star Fox, people have been wanting a new, a new one. How long have here, we waited? But here's the thing. We've gotten many, many Star Fox games. We have. We've gotten, We've gotten one Pokemon Snap game. Uh, um, uh, there's only one good Star Fox game, please. Are you talking no, about... I, I agree, but we've still gotten a lot of Star Fox games. That's fair. I should have been clear. We've been yeah. waiting for a good Star Fox game. Hey, hey Dealer, yeah. we would not have gotten Star Fox 64 if it wasn't for the original Star Fox. Yeah. You, ha- you, don't have, you don't you have, have Star Fox shit. Adventure? You had the shit before you could make a diamond. Yeah, it makes sense. Back in the 90s, that was some pretty damn good technology for a cartridge. But we're for, getting those of you, for those of you who are too young to know, by the way, Pokemon Snap was a thing that you played with your GameCube? No, it no. was 64. 64? Okay. Can you game historian of the group step in here and tell the people well, what's no, going I, on? I don't know the console, but I know the game. Come on. And you would take a picture of a Pokemon. That was the whole game. You were on track to take a picture you, of Pokemon. You were a character that actually did show up in the anime. I think his name was Terry or something. He showed up near the end of the Indigo. Well, my name. Yeah. And you essentially, Professor Oak, charged you to go out to this island, different sections of the island, to take pictures of Pokemon. Welcome. Yeah. And you could print them out at Blockbuster. I you did that. Boy. I, I can't tell you how often I did that. It, I had I had collages on my wall. I, I, I spent so much time on Pokemon Snap, it should be a crime. Could you imagine being that Blockbuster employee who's like, oh, another one of these freaking kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, see, remember, just, that's the same Blockbuster that I was homies with those people where they gave me Revenge of the Sith early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you brought in your... Uh, oh, man, I remember, I think it was at Retro City a few years ago, and they had the, the console, like the what you would go... You would bring in your cartridge. A, a you kiosk. It. Yeah, the kiosk. Thank you. They brought. They had a kiosk from Pokemon Snap unplugged, but it's still. You like they had everything. You could use the place where I'm, you put your cartridge in, the controller, so you can like pick and choose what photos you wanted to print. I'm pretty sure it was free too. I don't I remember. Think, I think it was free because I I wouldn't have gone so many times unless unless God bless my parents if they paid for every picture. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, it's literally a kiosk, and you bring yep. your little thing. Uh, yeah, and you a little controller. Uh, yeah, it's 
could could you fucking imagine? I'm gonna use my one I'm gonna use it. If they brought that thing back and put those at like Walmart or like at a GameStop and you can oh, print new pictures. Oh god. Oh my god. Just yeah. the fact that if we could print pictures would be awesome. Cause you know the second that this thing hits, there's people are gonna be using that goddamn share button for tw- for Twitter, I got Instagram, it. everything. I got everything it. is gonna go on the online now. So you know how uh when Pokemon Go came out, they had that little like Pokemon device you could buy or whatever. Oh yeah, the what, thing. What if you bought um you know um uh what are they called like the floppy photography cameras? The the Polaroid. Polaroid. The po- the po- if they Polaroid. made a Pokemon Polaroid where you put your like memory card in and it prints out Polaroids of the game. You mean if oh. like if you put your your uh, game card in and it'll print yeah. it out? And you just buy re read uh, you oh. just buy empty, empty pictures. Oh, just call me Nintendo. <laughs> Can you imagine if they actually release a Pokemon style Polaroid camera that also just takes regular Polaroids no matter what? Man, that I would. Oh my god, take my goddamn money! Holy shit! Like honestly, the game should have came out a long time ago, especially with like the Wii U, where that was the oh controller god, yeah. that you yeah, hold seriously. up. Yeah. Like any console, that should have been it. But the fact that it's coming out now, uh, even even better. I'm happy. I'm For happy. year, people have been wanting a sequel to Pokemon Snap, and I've 100 percent completed Pokemon Snap. That's one of the very few games I know I 100 percent complete. It's not hard to complete. Pokemon I'm gonna say Snap. it's very. I did it like at nine years old. It's easy. Yeah, it's pretty damn easy to get all 62 pokemon in that game now on the switch with over 800 some pokemon in the pokedex as of today even i'm excited for this the game is under construction or the game is um it's under development right now all we know here. it's all we know what's it's coming it's gonna it's it's real we could stop we could stop begging Nintendo for another Pokemon Snap. All right, everybody has a new reason to live. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking hey, of new I, reasons to live, yeah, I probably have another reason to live. With the second they announce anything about Metroid Prime Four, I've been waiting for so freaking long. Well, I the next it. thing is Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> Bullshit. No. You're, yeah, you're right. There's um, more. There's more news. Um, okay, so uh, uh, EA had a thing this week also. <laughs> Boy. Did they? Oh boy. Or did they have a Star Wars Squadron thing that had a couple of loose extra bits? Um so real quick, did you guys watch it? Because Sparks and I watched the whole thing. I didn't uh, watch I the whole thing. Uh I didn't have the time. It no, was not I, no, it was not worthwhile. It was not worth watching at all, is what I'm trying to get at. So I'm glad you didn't waste your time like we did. Okay. Um they they announced a couple of games. They did announce that Apex Legends is coming to Switch. I don't um, care. And crossplay. Crossplay. Oh, there's a cool. lot of no. So the big thing this this uh not generation but this year is games being crossplay. Where if I have an Xbox, you have a PlayStation, we can play together. Yeah. A lot of games are doing that now. Um, so Pretty a lot much of everything EA announced. Yeah, which is, is great. Crossplay, right, which is great. Um, they also announced a game called Lost in Random. That thought, looks really good. Yeah. yeah, I thought that looked like a Leica film. Yeah, it was like Tim Burton. Like, like Leica. Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that looked really cool. Um, I did not see this one. I just know it was announced. Uh, it takes two. There's not a lot for us to say about it. It was more of a behind the scenes look at it. So we, it's just another platformer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the only other game that was announced was a little thing called Star Wars Squadron. Yeah. It's the only uh, other one that matters. Uh, so they announced it on Monday because the game was already leaked last week. Yeah. So uh, w- people knew about this game two weeks before this announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, it really took the the steam out of this entire press conference. Because if they were leading up the squadrons, eh, the entire world already knew about it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So this press conference, uh, compared to the PlayStation one, again, again, even the Microsoft one, uh, this one felt uh, like just completely a waste of time. Like yeah. they didn't have anything, man. And it's sad. Like a lot of these games look good, but like again, the PlayStation one just happened, and we mm-hmm. saw we saw the new Ratchet and Clank. I'm like. EA, but it's 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 not the same. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I am really excited for Star Wars Watching the trailer looks really cool. And the gameplay, the gameplay trailer got me way more hyped than that yes. story trailer. Yeah, 100%. Oh shit, I missed the gameplay trailer. I thought it was only the story oh, trailer. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Uh, so yeah. the gameplay trailer shows you kind of and I'm not mistaken, it's first person. The entire time you're in the cockpit, right? You don't I, go out. I, I so I think it is, but uh because it's the same engine as Battlefront, I wouldn't be surprised if you could just choose. Because yeah. I don't I don't think they would lock they would lock it in. We were talking about Battlefront. Um It definitely uh, it definitely looks like it's important to have what's in the the HUD of the cockpit. And I don't yeah. we didn't see anything of how they would replicate that in the third person view. Yeah. So I'm gonna assume it's first person because as people were pointing out, it seems like they want to recapture the PC games feel. Yeah. That was always yeah. in the that was always in the cockpit. Yeah, um, and Sparks, we were talking about before. Like, if this was if this were just the Battlefront space combat, just more of that, this game would not work. But right. thank, but thankfully, this looks like it's it's it is it is obviously some of that engine. But they are absolutely adding the shield components, the thrusting and boosting mechanics, like the the stuff um the the stuff from like Last Jedi where Poe is doing like his super quick maneuvers. Mm-hmm. That's the shit I want in a space flight game, and Battlefront does not have that. Thankfully, Squadrons does. So yeah. I think the gameplay will be there. Uh, the story, I after Battlefront Two, I'm not I'm not sold yet because it's the exact same writers. And Sparks knows this. Uh, I talked to the guy on Twitter, the, the writer, and I was like, "Hey, bro, uh, I didn't call him bro. I was like, "Hey, man, uh, I really like the Battlefront Two campaign, but I kind of thought it was going to be more of an Empire thing." And he's like, "I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I will never write an irredeemable character." So the fact that we have this entire Empire squadron, uh, I'm really excited. I really hope that's an actual component of the game, and they don't turn out to be rebels too, because that would just be like stick to some convictions. Have characters who are actually bad. Did, didn't you also mention that someone else involved was from Spec Ops yes. Line? Yeah. So Walt Whitman, or excuse me, Walt's, Walt Whitman, not the writer, Walt's, uh, uh, his name's first name's Waltz, but he also wrote Spec Ops the Line. He did also help write Battlefront 2, but he was the not the main guy of Battlefront 2. They are both also writing this game. So I hope that they also they both got to go to their separate corners and the good guy can write the good guy stuff and the bad guy can write the bad guy stuff. Uh in terms of scripting, not Walt's a bad guy, you know what I mean? Um I just I really want to see the M- I want to see people in the Empire with convictions that they believe in the Empire because I want to see people who are wrong get what's coming to them. You know what I mean? Like, that's a weird thing to say, but, like, that's what I thought Battlefront 2 was going to be. And, like, the villain is the hero, and I've seen that in literally every piece of Star Wars media. Like, Callus turns into a good guy. Everybody turns into a good guy at some point. Like, just have some bad guys. It'd be really cool to have some bad guys. That's just my opinion, though. Uh, no, I agree. I the, Like I said, the gameplay trailer sold me way more on this. Um, the gameplay, especially with the um, with a lot what well, you can see, like, you, with the skid thing that Poe Dameron yeah, like, does. Oh, yeah, uh, the yeah. fact that you can possibly do that in gameplay, it looked really cool. I'm very excited for it. Um, and I'm I'm with you on the scripting. I hope that there's a little bit more there. Cause plus uh, plus your, girl's, your girl Hera's in it, so. Yeah, she is. Ooh, heck yeah. That's so cool. And uh, Ray Sloan, um, who is a character from something that I've not seen, but he, she's a Star Wars character that's shown up before. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, which I'm, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with. But yeah, super stoked. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure you guys want to talk about this one. Kingdom Hearts, new game. Well, Kingdom it, Hearts, Melody it, of Memory. It is a new game. That is it correct. Is. It is. Uh, ben, did, go you, ahead. did you, real quickly, before you guys do this, did you guys see this part? It is part, it is part one of a of Kingdom Hearts series second phase. Yes. There you go. Yo, yes. man, Square Enix is wild. <laughs> I don't know what the hell Nomura is doing. I don't know what the hell. Apparently, second doing. phase includes Remind, the new DLC coming out, and um, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, which is a mobile <laughs> game coming out soon. Yeah, mobile game coming out. I'll say, I'll say real quick that I was thinking about it before this game was announced this week. I was thinking about it rather recently that the further I've gotten away from Kingdom Hearts 3, the more disappointed I am with it from a narrative standpoint. The game is really fun to play, and I appreciate that. But the further I get away from it, the more I wish Kingdom Hearts 3 had actually been a conclusion and that anything that was Kingdom Hearts was starting something new, at least with a new main character or something else happening in yeah. the Kingdom Hearts world. And knowing that we are staring down the barrel of more weird revisit the past spinoff games and uh, just milk the crap out of everything that's come before and don't advance the story for another decade uh, is disheartening and hard to care. Um, that being said, I'm actually pretty stoked about this game in the sense that uh, I I'm down to play a game where you're doing rhythm stuff to that the score of Kingdom Hearts because the score of Kingdom Hearts is beautiful yeah. and uh, this is one of the few times where I'm like I won't mind going back through like the past through things like this because it's more about just enjoying a game where it's like I play to the music the music's great whatever um, what I'm not stoked about weirdly is the the fact that it is also tying in plot points related to Kyrie post Kingdom Hearts three. Um, and I, if I were to take a guess, uh, because of how Nomura has done story before, I believe, and I've read the translation of what's said and it's still vague, but, um, that Kyrie is going through the past, uh, through music memory using a musical memory Sora, uh, <laughs> because there always has to be a Sora copy to oh. uncover a secret about where Sora went at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and I'm just 100% not here for that plot point. <laughs> so I want before Ben goes, because I'm sure he has a, a, a lot to yell about. Um, <laughs> I, I am not against the idea of a rhythm game based on previous entries of a game. Persona, the very famous uh, RPG series from Japan, they have Persona Dancing All Night, which is exactly that. It is a rhythm game that incorporates all the great music and story stuff from the previous game. So yeah. it's, uh, I'm not opposed to that idea. I am opposed to the idea of one, uh, what you said, Sparks, about Kingdom Hearts 3. I've seen a lot of people say that, uh, reflecting on it. So that's why I haven't gone back to play it, personally. Two, um, I heard the DLC is not good, so it makes me not want to come back to it more. And three, I don't, I, I, I would like to play this game, but if it actually is tied to the story of the previous two things I haven't played, that stops me from playing it, if I just wanted to play a fun rhythm game. So. Sure. Just every everything about it, and again, when I think of those that Persona Rhythm All Night game, um, it uses stuff from the old Persona games, but it looks good. And I'm not saying you have to make Kingdom Hearts One look good, but I, it's it's 2020, man. You, I don't it's, need to be playing on PS2 graphics. You know what I mean? My, 
much to Ryan's point, it's very clear that they took all the imagery that they built for the PS4, Xbox One updates of the Kingdom Hearts franchise that they recently made. And it's exactly those character models and exactly those settings that they're just slapping this rhythm game into. And on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, that looks not as good as it could for a new game. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really care because it's a rhythm game and I don't care when it hits that point. Again, it is the fact that this is going to be, this is one of those games where they could have just done it and said, it's a game where you play to the music of kingdom hearts and that be it that this didn't have to have story elements the story elements are actually actively ruining it uh in my opinion um but i still would say kingdom hearts 3 is worth doing because it's fun to play through there is some satisfaction in it uh as far as like a payoff of two it's just not the concluding chapter i think the fans deserved yeah because we're staring down at a second phase right now which Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> As a diehard Kingdom Hearts fan who's put up with Nomura's bullshit from the very beginning, at first, Melody of Memory is like, what is this? But then. But as Spark said, the music of Kingdom Hearts is really good. I actually really miss the Colosseum theme when you're fighting in the Colosseum from Kingdom Hearts 1. I miss that music. That fanfare is really, really good. Um, going through the all, seeing all the scenes that play out, but you're playing to the music, cool. But the second Kyrie, the second the screen like fizzled out, and you saw Kyrie, I'm like, oh no, no, Nomura, what, what are you doing to us now? No, simple and clean at all. No, no, this is not. It's like, why? You had something. You just, just give us the music. Just give us something to play as. Just give us something that doesn't have to. Oh. Just um, it, it it reminds me like the way that you described it, Sparks, about how this is like a musical Sora going through. This is recoded all over again. Yes, and I again, did not like recoded. That was I did not yeah. like that game that much. It's it's that's the, probably the wor- the worst. Um, the the best way I can sum it up to you, Brandon, as a person who hasn't done all the Kingdom Hearts games and everything, is that Kingdom Hearts three because people had longed for it so long, they wanted a really good conclusion to the story they've been waiting for. And I think that th- that like the the DLC made people nervous, but the this game coming out has pretty much cemented in everyone's minds and them saying second phase that Nomura is going to do the same thing he's been doing for the past decade with Kingdom Hearts, which is releasing a whole bunch of smaller games with out as much effort put into them that give you tiny builds to the actual story you want to get to. Uh, and it's going to draw it out for the next like six or eight years before you get to the actual story you care about because the game didn't end and instead carried its concluding piece over into another tease for a bigger game that we're not going to get. And I think that's the thing that's so maddening is knowing that we're just going to get that that story nugget drawn out and dribbled down into lesser games it's, for the next few years. And I like say bread, that even as like breadcrumbs. And yeah. I say that even as some of the previous Kingdom Hearts spinoff titles were good, but the majority of them are not the things you want to be playing. No, I mean, Birth by Sleep, great game, great prequel, Dream Drop Distance. It helped state my appetite, and I, I, I love Dream Drop Distance. <laughs> but still, it's like you get this, you see the three, and you're like, it's like 3D, and you're like, where the hell is Kingdom Hearts 3? Where yeah. is it? And then we get 2.8, and there's like, here's this little thing. It feels like what Nomura is trying to do. He's trying to make this grand MCU style uh, story, but this was before the MCU, though. 
No, but you have to watch, like, you have to see all the movies. You have to watch all the TV shows. You have to read all the tie-in comics. You have to go, you have to go freaking go to the store and buy that tiny little $2 thing that was only, that only, it's just dumb. It's Uh, bare bare minimum. Like, you cannot actually understand the story of Kingdom Hearts 3 if you haven't at least read the previous game spinoffs. Uh, it's impossible to actually appreciate and follow it unless you've at least read people describe it, even if you couldn't play it. And that's just not how the story should be built. I don't think there's there's anything more maddening than um, you cannot play just one, two, or three. That you can't you can't just do that because you will be a hundred percent lost. Hundred percent lost. And not only that, Nomura's putting the. Uh, it's the story that were really important on different consoles. This was the first the first uh, game, the Chain of Memories. I thought it was just a retelling of Kingdom Hearts 1 on the Game Boy Advance. And then when I started playing it, I was like, oh, this picks up right after Kingdom Hearts 1 t- let's, um, ends. And those who just went from 1 to 2 were confused. Like, who the hell are these dudes? What's this organization thing? What's with the black coats? What's all this? Did you play Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories? No, what's that? Right, and I am completely convinced in a world where kingdom hearts 3 ended solid just done ending and then they announced hey we're coming out with a game like this called uh, melody of memory where you're playing back through the previous kingdom hearts titles as a rhythm game just to play through the music of the game everybody would be like that's super dope what a nice way to revisit that franchise but that's not the world we're living in if Uh, if the second half of that trailer didn't play where like it turned into the oh yeah yeah I'd be so like, okay, great. I would you. I will be like, you know what? If the game is good, I'll probably pick it up. I probably, but now that oh God, I don't even want to get wait for the wait for the DLC to go on sale. That's all. It's all we're waiting for. I'm still waiting for the DLC to go on sale. I'm not gonna pay twenty. I'm paying like ten bucks or fifteen bucks for that. Twenty is like the highest I'll go, and that's (laughs) only if I'm in a really good mood. That's what I said about comics, and I spent fifty dollars on a comic. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's uh Kingdom Hearts, man. What a it, what a weird, weird place to be where you've had like the best game that could have existed in that franchise gameplay-wise, but the most frustrating game that could have existed narrative-wise. That is funny enough, that's the exact same story of Metal Gear Solid 5, because Konami basically kicked Kojima out and he couldn't even finish the game. And MGS5 has it's arguably the best stealth game ever made but that story is cut to pieces and it's so sad. But playing that game is like a revelation. I actually had the same thought you did about Kingdom Hearts 3 of narrative. I was, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, that narrative does not, doesn't give me the satisfaction I have been, I feel like I should have gotten as someone who has been, (laughs) ha ha, Brandon, ha ha. But as someone who's been with this franchise since the literal beginning, and that is what I got. I'm like, are you shitting me? Really? It's it's what it is, is that um, Kingdom Hearts 3 successfully pulled off an endgame feeling when you're at the end of the finale. It feels like the culmination of every game you've played up to that point. It was all worth it. The story was done. Here it is. But it's like if at the end of endgame, they tacked on the game is on. Not, bu- not after the credits, before the credits. They tack on, hold on there's still this thing related to everything and you got to go to the next movie. Uh, And that ruins the spirit. Even though we know the MCU has more ahead, that would ruin the spirit of that film. And that's what Kingdom Hearts 3 did. Yeah. 
Endgame uh, doesn't really have a tease for a, a sequel. That's what I mean. Is like it, it's even though you know there's much more MCU story to tell, it's good that they made it feel like a final point. It's for like story. if they killed Thanos and then like then like they tease Annihilus immediately right after. Exactly. Like, like we're, immediately. We're, but we just ended. We just ended. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Um. Okay. Should we get into some trailers? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let me get Warrior like, Nun. Let me get off my Kingdom Hearts rant. Did you guys know I... this was based oh. off a comic? Blood yep. vessel. No, they're not. I do now. It looks dope. It does yeah, it look looks dope. real cool. This is uh this is a well mixed trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this trailer a whole lot. I hope the movie is just as good. Yeah, it's a series, actually, isn't it? Oh, you're right. It's a TV series. It's I was a, gonna it's say. I thought it was a series. series. I'm very looking forward to this. Um, this is probably this is probably the most excited I've been for a Netflix original series like this since The Witcher. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, the Witcher! The Witcher got the go ahead to start filming again. I'm so excited. Uh, I'll toss a coin. Hell yeah! Uh, I'll toss that coin. Hell yeah! Well, I'm for cons to come back, so I can see people co- uh, cosplaying as Geralt, so I can see, toss a coin in your Witcher and, and give him a chocolate gold coin. Oh my god! Chuck a chocolate gold coin at a Geralt. <laughs> ben Ben lies awake at night waiting for cons to be announced for this specific reason. This one. He did it. Like, he's he had the coins in the fridge. Yeah. He's been waiting. They're just sitting there <laughs> for months. Frozen, frozen yeah. chocolate coins. I could kill a man. Um, <laughs> Doom like Patrol. For... Sorry, Warren Nun a... looks incredible. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I'm so stoked. Doom Patrol had a second trailer. This is the DC Universe trailer. I didn't watch Last... it. I literally just watched the trailer. <laughs> Last week was the HBO Max trailer. This week was the DC Universe trailer. They're two completely different trailers. I'm not yeah. watching more footage. I'm going to watch that show. I will uh, Ryan, <laughs> who are the sex men? I don't know. That sounds good. Well, they're in this trailer. They're in this trailer. Did good. you say sax as in saxophone or um, sex as in work? Oh, okay. Ben, That's there's fun. an entire scene where an entire street of people have orgasms simultaneously. That's not the weirdest thing the show's ever done. Uh, God, that's yeah, a good the- scene though. <laughs> The second, the second trailer uh, is completely different. You know, I still want to get into this. All right. Uh, then we move on to a new reality game show called The Floor is Lava. Now on Netflix. I haven't yeah, watched it. It's any. out. Yeah, it's out. Oh, it's out. Yeah, yes, it, it, came out, it came out this Friday. A couple oh. trailers that we're going to talk about that things are already out for. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I really want to see this. This looks really cool. But the trailer also dropped this week. So, I mean. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, this looks like the best uh, version of this kind of reality show I've seen in a long, long time. I'm super yeah. into it. That looks like a, awesome. A fun, uh, I, I called it like lazy American Ninja Warrior because it looks like regular people trying to do mm-hmm. stuff, not like athletic uh, big boys who have muscles. It's just like, oh, look, it's Susan from accounting trying to jump over the chair. Get across because, hey, you can't touch the floor. The floor is lava. It sounds yeah, like I think yeah. sounds like a Cookie Masterson if you ever play the uh, Jackbox games. Uh, it's got oh, a good yeah. master voice. Yeah. Also, cool. I like the what the water looks like. It does look pretty pretty good, especially yeah, I agree. Supposed to be lava. Um. Okay. You guys have seen Groundhog's Day. You guys have seen Happy Happy Death Day. You guys have seen Happy Death Day to you. I'm sure you guys have seen the Stargate SG One episode where Dan where uh. Uh, Jack O'Neill and Teal'c have to loop back in time to a point because the Stargate keeps exploding. You're wrong. Uh, n- oh, damn, it's a good episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I bet you haven't seen Palm Springs. Well, no. Yes, the new Groundhog's Day comedy, romantic comedy starring Andy Sandberg. 
Uh, funny enough, Groundhog Day is the next movie club for our downright annoyed movie. So I'm like, man, there's going to be a lot of Groundhog Day happening soon. Um, yeah, this looks like a... I don't know how many Groundhog Day scenarios I have to see before I'm tired of it, but I'm not You've tired You've seen Edge of, of Tomorrow. I forgot about Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. I'm not tired of it yet because this looks like it's horror comedy, and I, you don't. it's kind of like uh, Happy Death Day. So uh, I'm not against it. I like the cast a lot. I'm a big Andy Samberg fan. Um, so, uh, I'll definitely... and it's really, it's really cool that there are two people doing this time loop this time. Yeah. Yes. And like, it looks like people find okay. out about it later on too and stuff. So like, uh, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I was trying to look it up. Um, but the actress who played the mom, uh, Kristen Malati. Yeah. How uh, she's from how I met your mother is, uh, is leading it as well. And I think that's awesome. There's also, uh, Tyler Hoechlin is in this Superman. Yep. Uh, awesome. Superman. JK Simmons. Uh-huh, J.K. Simmons. Simmons. Um, Peter Gallagher is hidden somewhere in that cast, and I'm a big Peter Gallagher fan. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm real excited. Yeah, I think this looks really good. Yeah. Does look, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I like Andy Samberg. I liked, uh, um, what's her, uh, what we just the said. Oh, uh, what was it, Kristen Malani? Kristen Malati. Okay, Malati. Okay, there's a T in there. Yeah, I call her the mom. I, I don't want. I want to use her real name though. Yes, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to Palm Springs. I like the structure of it. I like. Uh, I think the standout for me in the trailer is the part where she's like, "There's a way out of this," and she's ready to kill herself. And he's like, "All right, I'll see you in the morning." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just puts his head up on the dashboard. Yeah, exactly. From the, from the airbag. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. It's one of um, those time loop things you might have heard of that I might have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> um. Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons. This is the uh, new Deathstroke CW Seed film, um, which I'm sure came out in five minute chunks. Because um, they came out with one before. No, right? I think this is it. This is the same this one. This is it. This is the same one, yeah. yeah. This is the same one. Yeah. All right. I felt like I was living in a world of deja vu. I'm like, didn't this happen? Oh, I don't we know. Watched, we watched a trailer for it like months ago, and it just still hasn't come out yet. This is oh the God. DVD release. Yeah. Um, it's coming out. CW Seed, yeah. I actually thought the animation looked really good for CWC. Um, the Michael Chiklis plays Deathstroke. It may I'm, or may not be part of the Arrowverse. No, it's not because he gets his super. Because we see him get a super soldier serum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm into this, and I I like the uh, because I didn't remember the first trailer what it's about like knights and dragons. So I'm like, is he fighting mythology stuff? But it's literally like he's literally like no, like I I am a knight protecting like my daughter against bad guys who are who are dragons. I'm like that's kind of cute. Uh, yeah. After after this week of Deathstroke and um, uh, uh, I like Deathstroke. I, the more I see Deathstroke every week, I see I really realize I realize I really like that character. I don't know why. I just think he's a dope ass bad guy or he's sometimes a good guy, whatever you want to call him. I um, like this portrayal just from the trailers more than the Deathstroke that has been used in the animated films we've been covering. I'll say that. Definitely yeah. more than the first time. I'll say that. One hundred percent more than the first time. I will argue even more, even still with the this second outing we'll get to later. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, it still looks like it's worth watching. Yeah. You know what doesn't look worth watching? Oh, okay. oh, actually, a real quick fun fact, um, because of this trailer. The moment where he's encountering Hive and they have a blade to Joseph's neck, that's actually straight out of the Judas contract issues. Yes, uh, that I read where it, uh, it's talking about Slade's yeah. Slade's past. We'll talk about that because uh, we watch Titans, which also incorporates a lot of the Judas contract stuff. So we have different, but not that, but not that specific moment. No, and that but, was pretty funny to see that the same week. Uh, but like, it's it's interesting that different mediums, like the animated movie and the t- the TV show, incorporate different parts of that same. Co- For uh, sure, co- it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, speaking of things we won't watch, Marvel Battle World, the Funko animated uh, animated series, which has four episodes up now. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah I, was, I was looking at the trailer, and there are episodes up. I'm like, wait, do I watch? Where's the trailer? This episode? What? What is this? I don't it, know. It it, it it was announced and released this week. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's yeah, a it's a kid show. No, it's yeah. not as as the, the thing is, it's Funko. So that yeah. was interesting. As oh. a person who knows children now near teenagers, whose Marvel superhero squad was their gateway into yeah, liking comics characters and stuff like that. I'm glad that there's a show like this that yeah. seems to have some kind of well-structured humor and stuff to it. Uh, it's probably not for me, but I'm glad it exists. Hey, man, and they're still using that uh, Secret Wars, uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman battle world idea. So uh, I'm ha- I'm happy for that. I think the yeah. the uh, prominence of Frog Thor as a main character, and there's some stuff of uh, 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 Frog. Yeah, you you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> and um, the evidence of uh, Peter Porker's universe being present. Miles Morhamis. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, that one's Peter Porker. Oh, is it okay? He's just venom. Well, because they got the uh, the venom symbiote as a pig in there, and also you see like an alligator strange. I don't yeah, know. I love it. I don't yeah. know what the pun is. I'm not even gonna try. I think I think uh, shows like that lend a lot of creativity to how you can mess with those really wacky sides of things like that that do exist in the Marvel comics, and you can play with them in such a fun way for kids to engage with. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gator Strange. Um, there you go. Probably yeah. Doctor Strange. Um, Gator strange. Then uh, Nia DaCosta, the director of the new Candyman movie, released a little short film teaser. This is the coolest trailer I think I've seen in my life. Yeah, I, this was really cool. Yeah, this man. trailer reminded me a lot of the puppet scene from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I can see that. The story of, uh, of the Deathly Hallows, but with like the, the puppets. Mm-hmm. Yes. So seeing this was... I, it, it's really, really good. I really it's, like this. It's great because it's it's a mix of telling the origin from the original movie and incorporating the story of what the new movie is also. Right. Um, which is cool because I don't think, I think um, this new movie isn't ignoring the past, um, which is which is neat, which is what you want in like a cool uh, reboot or whatever you want to call it. Um, reinvention. Reinvention, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I have 100% faith in this movie. Our boy Yeha from Watchmen's yeah. Land. What a cool thing to have at this time where the protests and everything are still going on, as oh, they yeah. should be. Keep your your uh, foot on the gas for all of that. Uh, uh, the To have this piece that shows generationally inherited pain mm-hmm. for Black people mm-hmm. uh, in such a very clear, concise way uh, with the Candyman theme. Mm-hmm. uh what a what a cool piece uh i mm-hmm. can't i can't uh praise this enough i'm yeah i, I was excited was... before i'm very very stoked right now <laughs> yeah i yeah. thought this was really cool this is so it's paper puppetry mm-hmm. um uh, with shadows it looks awesome yeah oh yeah um okay if, if real quick if this like if Candyman never came out this would just be a sweet ass like two minute short film like for real yeah just telling like, a sad little story yeah like dirty laundry yeah definitely <laughs> Um, then a new Frank Miller adaptation is coming to Netflix in the form of Cursed. This is the this is a Frank uh, Miller book. I don't know that Frank Miller comic. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, he it's about the Lady of the Lake uh, with the with Excalibur. Nimue, Nimue. Hell yeah! Uh, 
this looks really cool. I really um, like how this trailer is cut together. So the... here's the thing. Uh, if you notice, I'm pretty sure this trailer was this. This isn't footage from the show. This is a trailer made for Netflix. This is a trailer mm-hmm. made to show the show. This isn't because it's all it's edited way too seamlessly to be from the show. It, it can't be. I do not believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, it. It, it could it could be footage from the show. Ah, man, it's so perfectly a like it feels like a trailer like the the way they used to make trailers where they would make trailers before the movie was even shot Mm -hmm. um i i remember real quick uh, i started playing um tom clancy's splinter cell pandora tomorrow which came out in 2004 on that cd is a teaser trailer for the movie that never came out that never even started shooting so this felt to me like they're still early in production it looks really cool the series the series comes out in july but, July, but yeah. it's a very it's a very stylized trailer. I agree with Ryan. This feels like when you see a video game cinematic trailer. None of this is footage. I think is in the show because it's a little too specifically choreographed uh, to be it that. Is, it is too perfectly edited. Like it, if it is stuff from the show, then they spend way too much money editing this trailer because it is mm-hmm. too it is too seamless. I've seen enough too many trailers. We all have to to, to think that this mm-hmm. isn't like manufactured in a way. So uh, I, I liked it. I thought the style of the trailer was really cool. Yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, there's not a lot here to get me jazzed about the show itself. Mm-hmm. Um, conceptually, uh, the idea is fine. Mm-hmm. That's about I, where I sit. I, is this, if this is a uh, a modern Frank Miller book or a older Frank Miller book, well, I think it really depends on the quality. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then I know what Sparks is really excited about. Close Enough. I am really excited. This is um, HBO Max's new series for the creative regular show. Yes, uh, I'm really glad to see a new trailer for it. Um, JG Quintel's been pretty upfront that uh, a lot of pieces from the original trailer were put together as part of a pitch rather than necessarily pulled from episodes. Um, so this is actually more representative of what you're going to see in the show. Uh, it's still exactly in the same humor, it just... Uh, you get a better taste of it. And uh, I'm really stoked about this idea. JG Quintel um, very much has been honest about how regular show was kind of an exploration of his, his early, his later college years and then into his twenties and how that felt. And this is very much a um, development based off his life as a father and uh, with his wife and, and what adulthood has kind of represented to him, but, you know, cartooned out. And I think regular show has been, was such a fun experiment. Seeing him do this is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, what if millennials were parents, uh, but a great ca- cartoon about it. Uh, this looks like, it looks, look, look, like I didn't, I haven't watched a lot of regular show uh, uh, for no, like, you know, no reason. Uh, but like this show definitely speaks to me a lot more uh being a little more mature um so i'm definitely what is this premiering on uh hbo max in later july cool yeah i will definitely i would love to watch this with you 100%. yes i i will 100 be checking this out because i'm a huge fan of, of quintel's work uh, i i became a regular show fan because of fanny and i really enjoy regular shows so the fact that jg quintel's new show is coming out because i really dug this trailer i thought it was hilarious especially the scene where um the mom s- spells out s-h-i-t because that uh, a thing like that actually happened to me when I was younger, where my parents were spelling out it wasn't shit, it was brat. And then of course I turned around, I was like, oh, I know what that spells. Yeah, and they're like, damn it, that school's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I, I'm optimistic. I think this is going to be a, a solid cartoon. I, I hope yeah. HBO Max uh, gives it a good run. Mm-hmm. Uh, real then... quick, real quick, cursed is illustrated by Frank Miller. He did not write it. Thomas oh. Wheeler is the writer. 
very cool very cool good to know when did it come out 2019 so i absolutely have more faith in it that he didn't write it yeah um i saw books of cursed at barnes and noble when witcher was also at its peak so it's like it already has like uh, soon to be a netflix show already it it had a freaking netflix thing so i was like where in the trailer is the trailer for this coming out i want to know what it is yeah and then just under the wire disney released the trailer for the king's man disney is the king's man Yep. Uh, this is the prequel, uh, the much delayed prequel to Kingsman, the Secret Service. Uh, um, yeah. This definitely feels like a trailer that they didn't want to make, that they're yeah. making because coronavirus. So they have to like rehype, but they can't. They, they're trying really hard to not show you too much more of the movie, but not regurgitate what they've done before. Because they don't feel it. Yeah, they they they've never said Rasputin's name before, but they spell it out now to make you, hey, make sure you know that's Rasputin, the guy who doesn't ever die. Make sure you make that a point. I'm like, oh yeah, uh, this was still a good trailer. Uh, yeah. I just got more footage than like than I wanted to see, to be honest. Like, I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this trailer did sell me more than the other ones, even though it was a worse trailer. But like seeing what the action looks like, I think this is going to be. Uh, I'm never, I never have a problem with his action. It's never the action of Matthew Vaughn I have a problem with. So uh, it looks like a dope ass action movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love that first Kingsman film so much. Like I told you, I'm willing to give uh, anything a pass at least after the Golden Circle. Um, but uh, I even like the Golden Circle. But I'm very excited about this one. You know, it clicks all my buttons. It's got Kingsman. It's period piece. Yeah, Gold, stuff. Golden Circle just suffers from some undercooked villain and some really problematic sexism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Poor Lancelot. R.I.P. Justice for Lancelot. I Let's get Justice for Lancelot. That was wrong with it. <laughs> Let's get Justice for Lancelot. Trent. Oh, Halle Berry. Um, let's get Justin and Lancelot going so that she comes back in the third in the third Kingsman film. They really should. She should not actually be dead because that was the dumbest on screen death ever. Yeah, yeah. I was pissed, but at least um, for, for this new trailer, I kind of like how there's like a, a secret society known as the Shepherds, who are mm-hmm. also the driving force behind the war. I kind of dig that. Uh, this this definitely gave me more Assassin's Creed vibes than I expected from a Kingsman trailer because, like you know, an evil society that rules the world it wasn't exactly what I got from the first Kingsman movies. So I like that, that like, this is the threat. Like it's a worldwide uh, cabal, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my fingers are crossed that Giamon Hansu gets to live all the way to the end. Uh, because I just recently watched the Charlie's Angels film and guys, Giamon Hansu was in that. Do you think yeah. he lived all the way to the end? I no. want to say yes, but your tone says no. There are three Bosleys nope. in the movie. And he is one of them who gets the ax. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm. I mean, sorry for those spoilers, but like Jimon Hansu, Jimon Hansu is the less famous black uh, Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Oh, <laughs> oh he keeps man. getting killed all the time before he gets to do anything solid. Uh, God, all the way through, we gotta find a movie that Sean Bean and Jimon Hansu are both in and see if either of them survive because that's that's <laughs> the ticket. That's the seven. If, if there wasn't a movie called The Expendables, uh, wait. <laughs> Guys, I know he 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 survived all the way to Captain Marvel. Yeah. Okay. Oh. This is a prequel to his death movie. <laughs> I would give you that if he were in the movie for more than like ten minutes. That's fair. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Um. Okay. Should we get into our topic? Yes. Sure. All right. Let's do this. We are now talking. We are back on track. We are talking about the next three films in the DC animated movie universe. Uh, we are talking about. Justice League versus Teen Titans, Justice League Dark, and Teen Titans, 
the Judas contract. But let's get started with Justice League versus Teen Titans. I'll go real quickly. Uh, it's my favorite of the franchise so far. Easy. This movie is... Sorry, go Sparks. No, no I, I 100% agree. Uh, Justice League war sits very tightly right behind this one but this is this is tops for what for like sure yeah ryan yeah this one um was pleasant the entire way through uh even though it wasn't you know all these movies are are like an hour and change um the the pacing was the best out of all the movies i think the characterization works for everyone the voice acting is great for everyone um the designs for all the evil justice league are awesome the idea itself is awesome that i don't think has been done in the comics this just this felt like a long lost justice league arc that i never read that got translated into a great movie this is also my favorite one Yes, Ryan and I had uh, the opportunity and pleasure of watching this one together. And uh, the whole time we're just like, damn, this is really good. And it just kept getting better. We're like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah, there's uh, there's a moment when I realized that I, that I really like this one. Um, when so, OK, so real quickly, that was not how I was going to start this. It's written by Brian Q. Miller and Alan Burnett. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, actually what, the last, great the, the last note i have is like oh brian q miller wrote it no wonder i really like this movie uh real quick ben what were your initial thing like feelings uh this is my second time watching it and i actually had a really good time it's yeah. awesome it, it's fun it, it's really fun i love what they did how they how i essentially i really like how the justice league i i love the banter of the movie a lot especially when, when cyborg shows up and he with the pizza and batman's like no thanks what or he's just like whatever um, or even when Cyborg does the resolution and Batman's like show off. Even just just all the the banter in this movie, like even when uh, Diana and Superman go out on their date, and Superman and something's wrong with Superman, it's just it's really fun. It's just really it's like man, this this is good. And also see the Teen Titans are like yay. So in the beginning, uh, there is so this film is also kind of where the 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 cracks begin to start in this franchise, I believe, in the sense of, of how it was quote-unquote building if you're to take this franchise as it is which is what we're doing taking it as a self-contained franchise alone there's a lot of first appearances in the beginning of this movie they introduced lex Luthor, cheetah well they introduced the legion of doom yeah and we've never seen these characters in action before no the legion uh, and the teen titans are both introduced right now the teen titans we get some time with but the legion are gone and we we've never seen them be started we didn't see any. We saw we only saw Lex Luthor in a post-credit sequence where he was where he was, maybe it was doing Black uh, Orm. Sure. Yeah. I I thought about that when it was happening, and I decided it didn't matter. Yeah. It's an uh, opening. I think the Legion of Doom are iconic enough that I don't need a movie introducing them. Well, so it's not it's not <clears throat> so, not, so it's not the Legion of Doom specifically. That I'm that I'm speaking of, there is an issue that we talked about the last time we talked about these films that is inherent with the previous animated films that they would release that were just one shots with no connective tissue to anything else outside of what already exists in the comics. I think that that mentality is still their mentality, even with building a self-contained universe. That they are just yes. like these characters are the characters you've always known. It's the comics, but if we're to take it as a self-contained franchise. That creates an issue of character development. Like I, in the, we'll talk about it a bit. But there's no more Justice League films. There's no more Teen Titans films. Sure, uh, I I know what you mean. Um, I don't know that it's a problem in this movie. I'm I'm just speaking generate uh, specifically. It's where I notice the the issue, and it becomes it, it it will only get 
worse as uh-huh. time goes on. Yeah, I'll I'll say um, I didn't have any problems with with the Legion of Doom not having like any more interactions or character growth because every other one of these movies has an opening action scene. It's not like what we talked about with Dick Grayson not having the moments with Batman because like we're seeing that stuff. You know what I mean? That's a that's not that's not at all important to this. You just see Cheetah and Lex Luthor right. get get attacked. Like that's not important to the story. You don't need to know why they're attacking. It's an opening. Action. Now to be now to be clear, it's not the it's not the Legion of Doom specifically that I have a problem with. It's just the the issue that we that we just now have to assume that the comics have happened. No, I I, I understand the thing you're saying. I get uh, it. I, I do. I don't think it's a problem though. For, for um, the- uh, I I think even just um. I think if they if they had to as the self-contained film universe, if they had to like uh baby step you into everything, like um it it would take many more films than they seem to be dedicated to make for it. And uh and like by now I would question, I still kind of do, why was there no Superman solo film or concepts like that? But I mean like I would argue that from from the jump aside from Justice League War every one of these films has required to you to have some kind of previous knowledge of the comics mm-hmm. characters. I would argue that none of them are a, a, an easy entry out of the gate. Yeah. Um, whether that's needing to know the history of Nightwing or needing to know who Talia al Ghul is or have some appreciation for, uh, I'm trying to think of another more specific example. Well, from one kind of, the of ones. Well, kind of my thing is what you talked about. Superman. The next Superman film, the only Superman film in this franchise, is the death of Superman. Right. So, it's more. It's less so about introductions and kind of predetermined knowledge. It's more so about the character development that we go on on these characters with. Because there are no more Justice League films. There's another Batman film. The only Wonder Woman movie is just before the end of this franchise. There's no more Teen Titans films. Right. Like we're the next time we see these characters, they've gone through development that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see that development. I, I would like I, there to be more. I don't disagree with you. Um, this kind of falls into a similar range of like, for me, when I watch Captain America Civil War and at the beginning Vision says, this amount of things have cropped up. And if you're a person who doesn't accept Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Netflix shows, right? Then mm-hmm. you're like, what are those things, Vision? What has happened? Because supposedly it's been a year since Age of Ultron. What have you all done? What's what's the thing? And this is where we talk about like, wish comic books had fleshed that out and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for these films, I just don't know that the DC animated films can function, even though it's supposed to be this co- this continuous universe that we're watching right now. I don't think they can function if they're trying to microcosm you into what you see in these films is what's canon, and there's no amount beyond that that you have to take into consideration. You have to have some kind of familiarity, whether that's having watched previous DC animated films or just being aware through osmosis of comics and other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and half the, half the length of regular movies so the yeah. real estate is just not there these movies it's, are an it's hour more so, it's more so that i kind of question the decision to end the franchise on justice league dark apocalypse war and not just keep going now that's, well, that's, that's something, seven movies from now though <laughs> but that's but that's something i can agree with is that that it, it why be this dedicated to this film universe if you weren't going to be uh, building and building on these pieces because I can understand what Brandon's saying with the direction we're headed in. Why is it truncated at that that next Justice League film? Because like he's saying, this is the last Justice League film. Yeah. Uh, why is that 
what we build up to. It doesn't feel like we we get to explore as much here. Uh, why would they make that cutoff? And I think there's a lot of weird headed decisions just in general about trying to make all these films connected, especially as they were making other animated films that weren't at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, but again, like boiling it back down to just this film, this film didn't need any of it. This mm-hmm. film doesn't need any of it so much that like if you this was the script for a a live action DCU film right now, I would go, it's perfect. Just build this, out the flesh out the character stuff a little bit. This is a fantastic jump in point for all these know, characters. You don't need to know much about any of these characters. And I think this movie does a great job of introducing everyone, even the characters who have had movies before. Like Superman has a couple one-liners. They all have a little one-liners like that are that are about their character. Uh this this I just I just enjoy this movie so much. Oh man. To to the credit of this cohesive universe, whenever Superman and Wonder Woman are in a movie, they keep building their relationship. And I do appreciate that, that aspect. Actually, yeah. actually, I quite like their dynamic. And it makes me want to go back and read those books that I I like those books when they were coming out, but it makes me want to go read back and like see if I can enjoy it even more now that the goggles are gone. The, the there's, there's one big gripe about this about this universe that I do have is that the Superman and Wonder Woman don't have a movie together. Like just a solo Superman Wonder Woman book where it does explore their relationship a little bit more. But that's that's a conversation for another day. This movie, just this movie, with the Legion Doom popping up. Okay. Um, real quick before yeah, we move off before we move off and just talk about this movie, uh, just one more note about the continuity. I think its strongest points are Superman and Wonder Woman. If we are analyzing it as a cinematic universe, I think that the things that feel like they actually are transitioning and growing across the films are Superman and Wonder Woman's relationship and Batman and Damien's. Setting Damian. aside setting aside Son of Batman. Yeah. Damien is a core developing arc, and I think it actually really works. And I'm glad that this is kind of a, a central heart piece mm-hmm. of that story. Yeah. Yeah. Damien like, Titans is is some of yeah. my favorite stuff, like for real. I've never so Damien is part of the Teen Titans right now, and I don't think the comic book Damien as he exists right now works with that mm-hmm. Teen Titans team. Do this. This is the best the Teen Titans have been in since Cyborg left the Teen Titans became a Justice League member. Bro, I was thinking like the last Teen Titans book that I actually bought was the relaunch with Kenneth Rockefort on the art. And that dude's incredible, right? But even mm-hmm. his art couldn't save that book because it was still trapped in the New 52. Uh, no, and- nobody, DC doesn't know what to do. Much like we talked about Harley Quinn in the beginning. DC doesn't, didn't know what to do with the Teen Titans once, uh, once Cyborg left. What? Right. When Cyborg was taken to the Justice League, they didn't know what to do. So now, here you go that so, right because ryan said the last teen titans book the last teen titans book i bought was earth one by jeff lemire for sure yeah. um yeah the the dynamic uh that they develop between damien and the team and very specifically between damon and damien and raven is uh such a solid uh developing entry point for those characters that's why i 100 say you could have made this a live action movie and i would have felt like it's a solid just go to the movie theaters and see it and you don't really need background yeah. you could you you just flesh out some like this movie's under an hour and a half you add another half hour or 40 minutes or so and develop and flesh out some of those character beats but don't add in anything like beyond that just just expand on what's there uh and it'd be a flawless live action film to check out yeah the voice um, cast, voice cast is really good i think uh what's her name uh, teresa teresa famiga teresa famiga as Tessa Farmiga. Yeah. I think I think she's perfect. And she would even work as a live action one because she has that like quiet reservedness. So yeah. down. So I agree. A thousand percent. Then the Titan right. Raven. All right. So at first, I wasn't really digging Raven's voice just because I was like, it's so flick as that. But then I thought to the other times where I saw Raven, mostly Tara Strong's Raven. 
Tara Strong also kept very flat. It, it wasn't until I was while I was watching this one, I was like, Raven is kind of flat. Not that she doesn't have emotions, she does. It's just that she doesn't want to let go of all, she doesn't want her emotions to control her so that she can still keep control of her powers. So right. at first, I, when I was first watching the movie, just seeing Raven just be like flat, like when she was, when she's like explained to ha- about Trigun, the uh, Satanists, and all that jazz. There's like, come on, where's the sense of urgency? But like, no, that's still kind of Raven's MO, though. She has to keep calm. She has to, to be cool. She doesn't want to give in to her demon side. So right. after thinking about that, I was like, at first, I was like, no, I don't like this. And I was like, no, yeah, it makes sense. I like it. So one of the things that I really appreciated as far as this going as a franchise or continuity thing is that they've built up Starfire and her, her relationship with Dick. Yeah. Um, and I think I thought the first time we see it, she's just a picture on a phone. And, he, and then we hear then this over the voice. He's a phone call. And then we see them together. And I thought that was really cool. It's kind of like get that slow build, burn build up. I agree. Uh, um, get- I thought that worked really well. You guys know how much I love Dick Grayson. Um, uh, yeah, uh, especially with the later movie that we're going to talk about as well. Um, everything with Dick Grayson, I think, works for this universe. Like he's not one of the, he's not always the main character, so uh, I feel like they use him sparingly in good spots. Um, I love his relationship with Corey so much. She is still the girl from Teen Titans who's like um, naive about the world but like just says things that she doesn't know could be offensive or something like that. And I just find that so much funny. Like we talked about the sparks, how these movies, they're a little more mature than, than your usual DC adding. They're not Zack Snyder dark, but they're more PG 13. They're more violent. There's some more swears. Uh, and this Corey works so well for me. Cause she's a little like people are sexual, right? Pe- people have sex, spoiler alert. Uh, and the way she just doesn't know how to phrase things this and the other movie uh, work really well for me. It's really cool seeing a character evolve from when I watched her as a kid to now we're both adults. Uh, and I just think that's super cool. Yeah, I, I will completely agree with all that. I do think that somewhere between this and the Judas contract, I think they go to the well of uh, Dick h- hitting on her and then being like almost sexy time and then something interrupting it. I think they go to that well maybe one or two times a little too often for this franchise. Sure. Um, but other than that, I agree with you. I'm glad that that's a part of the relationship. I'm glad that's mm-hmm. something that's present. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about... Um... Sparks, you mentioned Raven and Damien, and one of my notes is that that was a good idea. Yes, pairing them uh, together. The carnival sequence when he's trying to impress her and he beats Beast Boy at the dance is so good. Yeah, um, I I want to make note of this is the first of these films we've been watching that isn't based on anything in particular. It's not based on a run. It's not that ba- you know there is no particular issues you can draw from that this is based on. This was wholly original, and I think it benefited the most from that. Yeah, um, I'm happy to see more Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I I really like the way they do Jaime here. It reminds me a lot of the Young Justice interpretation of him, yeah, and I'm a big fan of that version as well. Um, so seeing him present here is is awesome. Uh, yeah. I really really appreciate that. I think uh, it, it's going to come up later as we're uh, talking about Judas Contract, but I think just analyzing all these films as a whole, all of them I would argue have some kind of detriment from. Uh, either trying to hinge too close to the source material or um, stretching too far away, but then trying to make the elements still work. And the fact that this one hasn't doesn't have to do any of that, I think made it so it could shine as bright as it did. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I that, agree with that. The idea, because uh, like Superman, one of his weaknesses is magic. Um, and then obviously just like dark happens. So there's even more magic. But in this one, like seeing an evil Trigon Superman is like terrifying and having him be like the prophet who raises the giant, uh, portal. Stargate. 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 Yeah. I love um, Stargate too. 
And I was waiting for like, when is it going to be Justice League versus Teen Titans? And then the the evil Justice League show up and it's evil Flash. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is like such a cool When he idea. breaks Flash's leg. And he's and it's like, wait, how long? How quickly do you heal? It's like uh, an hour. You have ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, like, Seriously. Yeah, I think the banter works really well, and I totally agree with Sparks. Um, the I want to talk. Can we talk about the carnival sequence? Yeah. Uh, for sure. I really like that sequence. Uh, it's got re- it's got two things that have never happened in this movie before. Uh, one is a musical montage of the group getting to know each other. Yes, I and, have a specific moment about that. Yeah, go on. And a Sailor Moon transformation sequence. Yep. Yes! <laughs> uh, Sailor Starfire for the here, win! Here are my notes about that. Aw oh, yeah, generic teen bop from late 2000s montage at the carnival. This movie didn't come out in the late 2000s, but that's definitely the track that they're hitting. Which yeah. is- it sounded like just like the worst um free what's it called like open source music that like they didn't spend any money on they're like well just put something in that kids like a 70 year old thinks a kid would listen to uh so it, it sounds like someone went and listened to simple plan and they said uh here copy my work just change your name <laughs> um and then the the other one i have is the uh, titans go magical girl transformations are probably one of the best things to happen in this franchise out of, one, out of the blue, man. They, there's not just Starfire; it's all of them. And no, then hey, Damien hey. has to run to get his car, get his, I, get his sword out of the car. I have to tell you, I wish they'd gone for the hard joke that when Damien goes and gets his garb, that he pulls it on and it starts the magical girl transformation, and then it's just done. And he's like, he's not, he's not into it. He's not doing it. Yeah. But it just starts to do the graphic of it, and it's like, boom. The second <laughs> Starfire yelled, "Titans go!" And it goes into the Sailor Moon uh, transition. I'm, I'm, I forgot that happened because it's been a quite a few years since I last seen this movie. To, so to see Starfire and everyone else go to Sailor, like transform like Sailor Moon and the Sailor Scouts do, I'm like, I that is freaking hilarious. It's the only I, time that happens in this entire franchise. So yeah. it's like they just must have been having fun with this one, man. They for probably real. did. I can I want to see the script. Is like after uh, Starfire yells, Titans go. I'm pretty sure Brian Kimmler wrote. And then, have you seen their moon? Do that. Or have you seen the Sailor Moon show? Do that. Magical. So I uh, I have a note here that says animation continues to be an improvement. Uh, I think the animation is getting more fluid as the, as the franchise goes on, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured it out. I finally figured out my biggest issue with the animation style uh, or how they animate it. I really don't know which one. Um, it's the eyes. I was watching this movie and I had this realization that if you cover their mouth, their eyes aren't expressive when they're just talking. I only expresses only expressive. Maybe I have. Maybe yeah, I just forgot did. I had the revelation. I think but I think we've talked about the the lack of expression in the eyes. Unless the script calls for a surprise thing or a concern thing or whatever, the anim- the, the animation is just solid in the eyes, and that's kind of where I'm. That's kind of. For me, it's not really a, a problem. I'm sure it's just the way they animate it. But for me, I prefer like expressive eyes. No, that's I, what I, I always know known in animation. Uh, I I know that we brought this up because when we were doing the Batman films, we talked about how the Bat characters, when they're in costume, benefit the most from this because their eyes are forced to be expressive with the little white slits. But everyone else who just has normal faces, you don't see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've definitely talked about that being the weak point in this kind of standardized uh, animation look. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, la dee da, Ben. I think uh, uh, I think Trigon's design is awesome. <laughs> I love. And when John Bernthal is so good. 
He's the long so sideburns. Yeah. 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 Uh, I like the that hair that is fire. Yeah. But it's also it starts, hair. Or it's like Hades hair and then it just turns yeah. into his long white hair. Yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna run down because I had such a good time watching this movie. I just want you to hear kind of like the way I wrote down notes. Is this how it went? Hell of an opening. Uh Robin's gag with crowd control is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I love Superman dis- dismantling Luther's armor. Um all the Trigon possessions are cool. Nice Superman nod with him catching the car. Mm-hmm. Uh damn Damien with that bomb. Yeah. Uh, when he just throws it at Trigon. Oh yeah. Uh nice Teen Titans already established works totally well. Love the introduction of the team members. Love Clark and Diana flirting. Holy shit, Trigon possesses Superman. Who's gonna tell Batman his son is Two Face now? Oh, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> when he got wrecked by Jaime, and then it's like, okay, so who's gonna tell Batman? <laughs> <laughs> just, just when they're like, this is gonna be awkward call to Batman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I really like the Rachel Gould moment. Yes, oh, um, I do too. I was gonna get there. Uh, uh but yes Rachel ghoul uh again this is another instance where i'm like honestly you benefit from not having son of batman mm-hmm. if you have only heard Rachel ghoul talked about in relation to what damien has said and what you, talia has done and you didn't see son of batman and then this encounter happens the emotional weight is so much heavier mm-hmm. um i cannot tell you just every movie we watch, I feel more and more like Son of Batman is a detriment to character development in this <laughs> franchise, and you just, just totally ignore it. Yeah. Um, uh, Superman trashes the atomic skull. Yeah, he does. And that was incredible. Uh, the moment when Batman says he hasn't said anything about pulling the moon from the sky, has he? <laughs> to Wonder Woman is really yeah. good. Like, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, just in general, incorporating the Teen Titans in this movie went so much smoother than I anticipated it would. Uh, it felt so fluid, so natural. Um, and I never I never felt like anything wasn't given enough time. Yeah. I just enjoyed all of it. Um, I, I really love the angsty Raven and, D- and Damien bonding. I think it works really well as a as a central part of the story. Um, the people calling to Raven when they're at the carnival and telling her where to go is effectively creepy. Oh yeah. Especially because it starts with like the little girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, you do that in live action, like sold. I love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, everything about Trigon and the brothers meeting her in the woods is exceptional. Again, mm-hmm. like you do that, you do the same thing in live action. I think that would be standout. Incredible. The origin of how he, uh, how she gets the gem in her forehead. Yes. When she tells the story of Azrath, uh, really well done yeah um and, yeah as someone who hasn't watched uh i mean i've read teen Titans comics not recently but when i think i think of that show because i watched it so much and we all watched it right i just think this is a natural like this is a adult a more adult version of that show like i think the characterization is, is pretty much perfect the voice acting is almost like it's almost the same they sound pretty similar to a lot of the uh people from that show um yeah it's it's crazy to think that Every movie before this has had to introduce a bunch of people, but this one introduced so many and they did it just so well because it's an original piece. They're not they're not taking from something. It's so crazy to think back to Throne of Atlantis and how much they botched doing Aquaman. They didn't and even letting them feel like a character and all of the Teen Titans get introduced and all of them feel like fleshed out characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, it, it is crazy to think about that. Um, making Damien our window as an audience into the Teen Titans is such a solid idea. And it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Raven's four-eyed Raven attack is killer as hell. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of good action beats in this movie. Yeah, I really like the action in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Trigon Justice League designs are nuts. I have that in all capitals. Um, oh my God, I think he does have a way to take out Superman is also one of my favorite lines. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> in reference to Damien. Um, I I really love when Superman saves Diana, when he catches yeah. her up in the lasso and yeah. he makes her announce who she is. Mm. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Um, so the flying creatures in hell, uh, the worm things are crazy. And so is that Beast Boy is just like, oh, now I become Hell Nightmare Beast. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome because he's crossed dimensions. Like whatever the animals of that dimension are, he now is those only. That is, and him like doing like the body horror of like transforming, uh, almost like Akira. Man, that was awesome. This movie's, uh, this movie's so good, man. It's so, so fun. Yeah. So, I like this movie a whole lot. So Beast Boy takes a form after when they're going up to the to to get the gem. And at, for a while, I was trying because I know I've seen that form before. At first, I thought it was like a white Martian form, but it's actually the design of the Reach from uh, Young Justice. Oh, not, not the Reach, but they're like the, 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 the little monster dudes in Cadmus. Sure, mm-hmm. the little green guys. Yeah, you, you sure. guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I, I know what you're talking about. I was like, where, it, where have I seen that before? Oh, that's right, because I thought it was a white Martian that uh, Beast Boy took the form of, but nope, it was the, the same lead animator. So yeah, it was like the little Cadmus dude uh two of my last uh big notes for this are um i really appreciate that they did not force batman into being involved in the final act mm-hmm. uh i thought that worked much to the benefit of this movie and uh the most important thing i have to say about it is that they nailed the no i'm a titan moment uh for damien when he's facing off with Raish. and yeah. when you take that is one of the times where the franchise really works having watched damien from son of batman or <laughs> after that all the way up to this moment very cathartic very effective yeah 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 totally um okay justice league dark uh this is the next one uh i also think this one is pretty solid uh sparks you want to go next yeah these two hard dive into some demon shit and it's great yeah. yeah. i did not expect such a to pardon the pun but dark opening uh yeah. to this movie with her just like running over people and uh begging diana for help and saying don't you see the monsters and she says i only see one looking at her and i'm like holy mother of what yeah Yeah. Uh, this isn't my i think uh i I, the last movie is my favorite but in terms of aesthetics this is my favorite because this has the constantine stuff this has swamp thing stuff this has all the dark gross stuff that you never see in the dc universe or excuse me you haven't seen yet in the dc universe um so in terms of what the movie's about this is my favorite one um but i think the first one's better in terms of being an actual movie but i i i liked all three of these to be honest spoiler i think this is the best batch we're gonna watch but um Matt Ryan coming back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a blast with Justice League Dark. I thought, because I've seen Justice League versus Teen Titans, so I was taking notes on it, whereas with Dark and for a Jewish contract, I haven't seen those yet. So I'm like trying to like really pay attention, really watch and watch what's going on. Oh, I had I had a blast with Dark. Just just the banter between Constantine, Zatanna, and Dead Man. All three were great. Seeing Zatanna come back, I'm like, I love Zatanna. I actually uh, think Batman 
Jason O'Mara, I believe this is Jason O'Mara's best turn as Batman. I was yeah. worried about Batman being in this movie because I'm like, cool, they're putting Batman because they need to sell the movie, right? But I think him being the guy, he, him being the fish out of water works so well. Also, yeah. the fact that there are times I forgot Batman was there. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that might be a criticism, Ben. That might not be a compliment. No, I think I think that is a compliment. I appreciate that he's present, that he's an active part of what's pushing the story forward with the other characters, but that they don't try to ham him in to every moment. Like he allows conversations to happen that he doesn't yeah. need to be part of. He's out of his so, element, so he's allowing other people to do the job that he can't do. I mean, yeah, I really like his. I really like his uh, his his hmms every time yeah. something happens, and he's like, "I don't know what I'm doing." Well, here. He's just like, but one one of the things that, especially with the very the, the um, like I would say, like we've reached the halfway point in this franchise. The first half of this franchise was literally like eighty percent Batman, twenty percent everyone else, and that I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Batman. We all love Batman, but there are times where I'm sick and tired of freaking Batman, and even though Justice League Dark is Batman is in it. He's not the focal point, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of John Constantine. I want to see more of Zatanna. I want to see Boston do his thing. And the fact that we get Swamp Thing and we get more Swamp Thing than I thought we were going to get in this movie is, yes. Give more me Swamp more Thing than Batman Harley Quinn. Yeah, but still, give me more of the other characters. Justice League Dark, and if you look at the new comic books, Batman's not in him, and they just threw Batman in this one just because he's the goddamn think- Batman. But I'm actually glad he's in it because he his addition felt welcome to me. I re, I actually really liked his addition. There's a moment that really sold me as Jason O'Mara because I like Jason O'Mara, but he wasn't you know he, I wasn't too I I I noticed him getting better each time. But this time I really felt like he really nailed the character and really got into the character. Um, there's a moment that I really like when the shrouds that Richie shrouds come like looking at him like oh you've escaped death and he's just standing there and they're and they're like easy easy he just goes boo boo yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm cool with Batman in this movie. I'm just glad that Batman wasn't center stage. Yes. And yeah. again, he's out of his element. He obviously does not know what he's doing, which is why he created or he, he helped create the Justice League Dark. Uh, I respect the filmmakers to not just put Batman in it and make him, oh, all of a sudden he's a magic uh, creative guy. I'm like, thank yeah. God they didn't do right. that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, again, much to the credit of the people who work on this one, this is also not based off anything in particular. Um, it is more or less original in its uh, crafting as a story, and uh, I I think it also benefited from that that it wasn't trying to specifically be something. Um, they were allowed to mold it into what they wanted it to be, and I thought that worked really well, especially involving Batman. Um, this is the first appearance of Martian Manhunter, John Stewart, and Hawkman. Yeah, that was okay. Were they there? I didn't. Were they there? Did I? Yeah. Two minutes. Oh, okay. Two yeah. minutes. They're on the John Justice Stewart League. More... To be to be fair, John Stewart's actually in a decent chunk of the ending. There's actually a cool callback for, to Justice League War with Batman taking John Stewart's ring. Right. Without him knowing, I thought that was cool. Um, I have a I have a I have a note here that says, "What you said? Uh, you mean Hal Jordan's ring? No, because he takes John Stewart's yeah. in this one, which is a callback. Yeah. At but he's saying yeah. it was a callback when he took John Stewart's ring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's there's a cool visual of Dead Man's death. When he dies mid and he lands it and he's a ghost when he lands it, yeah. I was like, "That's cool." That's my favorite scene in the movie. That is that was like, "Wow!" Like that's almost too good to be in this. And then and then the the goddess's face appears and they're just like, "We're hard just throwing you into that story." Here yeah. you go. He's basically also, when, also like when a orchid is like trying to t- is uh giving everyone's like the little thing and then she looks to Batman and is like, 
there's no happiness. He turns around. I have a butler. Yeah. Uh, so Orchid. I don't remember Orchid ever being the Vision. Black Orchid, by the way, not the Orchid. Black Orchid, thank you. I've, read, I've not though. I've not read a lot, but I remember some of the stuff that in the Fifty Two. She was in some events and stuff. I don't remember her being the 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 House Vision for DC. She's not. Okay, that's. I thought that was very weird and like a yeah. weird character thing. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about that. There's an arc where the latest Justice League Dark arc uh, called the Witching Hour with the Wonder Woman series, the Rebirth series. Um, she is part of it. She's she uh, takes Swamp Thing's role as Avatar the Green and then destroys oh. the Green. Oh, because she was a spy put in by a dark god. I'm Do gonna you know, read that book. The only time in this film that she felt relevant to me because honestly i would forget she was in it sometimes um was when she was forced to walk into the fire just because the visual was so well that was that was yeah and that but that was it and i'm like other than that i didn't really need her in this movie she didn't add much to it yeah Yeah. uh again the demon jason blood cool guy etrigan cool ass guy man every time every single every time i read it or hear it uh gone gone the form of man uh chills Rise yeah. of the Etrigan, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you guys don't know anything about Etrigan, what if the Hulk was a beatboxer and he was like a he was like a slam poetry guy? And, and I'm like, that's such an awesome idea. And um, Etrigan's uh, origin is is a little bit different, but it's almost the same. What you see here, he is tied to Merlin and all that shit. Um, that is such a cool concept. And even though the origin is <laughs> different, that is an awesome idea to have this Arthurian knight Jason Blood have to uh, basically do a dragon heart with Etrigan the demon and Merlin's like, well, you're both going to die. I got to save you. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that, that sucks for everyone. <laughs> um, there was, I'll, I'll admit when I was watching it for me, there was a weird, and I still would say this is true. I think there's a weird disconnect uh, in the opening where you go from that hard, dark opening. And then the introduction of Constantine and Jason blood. And that feels like, I like that the dark opening is as effective of an opener as it is but the Constantine and Jason blood thing feels like it should be before because it's slightly disconnected from the things that follow until it's referenced much, much later. Yeah. Um, whereas the present uh, danger of all the other stuff feels more important. Um, there's something weird in the pacing of that, where that just feels like a hard left turn into a weird, into an introduction that feels a little ham fisted after having such a dour and important opening. Yeah, I agree with Does that. Does anyone else kind of get what I mean with that? I no, I, I agree with that. What you mean? Special appearance by Blink, who is now oh. only coming into my room because you're gone. Um, oh, I Blink. What you mean? But uh, you, you either start the movie at like a, like a five and then go to a 10, or you start at a 10 to to set your expectations. So I think, I, I don't think you can win either way, to be honest. I, I agree, and I've thought about it a lot since I saw it. Like, I don't know that necessarily putting that moment in front of the opening is better, but it, it is something where I'm like, I feel like there had to be a better way to do this because that scene just feels separate from everything else. Maybe it needed to be more tied to what's currently happening. We need to literally follow Constantine from that moment into another rather than like jumping to the Tana yeah. uh that just feels so separate until things about the the demons three and uh the thing itself the object itself is referenced it feels like a total disconnect from what's currently happening sure yeah um so the sequence the felix faust fight sequence i think is really cool 
that dude that that's what i'm talking about where it's like this isn't my favorite movie but as my favorite stuff i think this is the best fight scene in all the movies the the imagination and i don't know a shit thing about felix faust whatever the only felix faust i know is from marvel and it's felix faustus right um (laughs) So th- this dude is shooting, first of all, he's crazy eccentric. He looks like Fu Manchu and he's shooting these crazy purple beams and he has like Dr. Strange portals shooting beams. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. This is like, this is, it's so well animated. This is a really, the fight scenes in this one are spectacular, especially oh. with Swamp Thing. That's just straight up an anime. That is straight up an anime fight with Swamp Thing, but we'll get to that later. Well, I was going to say like, again, the animation keeps getting better. The animations in, in the Swamp Thing versus Dr. Versus Destiny, Destiny, Doctor Destiny, yeah. uh, is incredible. It's straight up, like like a One Punch Man fight scene. I feel like that, like that yeah. flipping the vines, flipping through the streets, and you're with the vines. is so yes. cool. Yeah, it's very good, very good. Uh, and then, man, when he rips Alec Holland out of Swamp Things, and you oh. just see the tear. Yeah, holy shit! That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a very interesting way of doing Alec Holland because that's that's straight up like OG like uh first first season Alec Holland before he became the representation of the green where he wasn't a human being so he still thinks that he's a human so when his human part is taken out that's when he dies so yeah. I like that they took early Swamp Thing because he still feels uh like when they talk to him first of all whoever is the voice for Swamp Thing was fantastic he's only in the movie for a couple minutes but uh great Swamp Thing he is so big and hulking and you feel his presence and he's like I don't give a shit about human beings I'm leaving fuck you guys sorry He's like, F you guys. And he just disappears. He's like, uh, and he he's gonna, so big. He's so big. And he's like, is he going to help us? Because he kind of just vanished. Um, Good Swamp Thing. Very yeah. good Swamp Thing. That's when uh, the, how Constantine summons Swamp Thing. He's like, I'm calling for help. I just hope he doesn't, he doesn't realize. He doesn't realize it's me. Just trees and shit. Come on. The tree and then Swamp Thing just comes out. And he just stares at Destiny. And Destiny's like, who the hell are you? He's like, I'm Swamp Thing. I think the twist with uh, Richie being possessed by by Dr. Destiny is really cool. I didn't didn't see it coming, and I've seen this movie, so I forgot. Neither neither did I. Good villain reveal. And Destiny himself is kind of like a whatever villain. He wants power. His design and Richie's use with him, I think, is really, really good. Yes. Uh, I also want to credit just the writing because, boy, you definitely, like, threw me off the the even thinking of that twist by doing Richie's very humble, uh, I'm just really excited Batman's in my house moment. Um, I did not see Richie being the bad guy. I was, I thought it was Faust. I was like, wow, we're really winding down here, aren't we? And then it was that Richie has Black Orchid um, walk into the fire and all this crazy shit. I was like, oh, no, not you. Like when when Constantine's telling him stop this, there's a way to save your soul, and he still does, commits the atrocities anyway. It's like, ooh, you done effed up, buddy. And again, like- it goes to it goes to um, like uh, so Con- Constantine in the New Fifty Two, he was really PG thirteenified, right? Um, this is a good representation of Swamp Thing, where he will lay people behind, he will make mistakes, he will. He he will admit when he effed his friends over because Richie is the way he is because of Constantine, mm-hmm. and obviously he has never forgiven him for it. Um, and the fact that Constantine comes he back, he has magic cancer. Yeah, he has magic cancer, and the fact that Constantine comes back and he doesn't apologize. He's like, "I'm not here to apologize to you. I'm here to help save the world. Are you going to be a part of it, bud?" Like Constantine's an asshole, and that's that's what makes him so compelling because he's an asshole who wants to help people while hurting other people. So like the fact that we got to see this with Matt Ryan doing it, it's it's so good. Yeah, Matt Ryan's, Matt Ryan's great. Real quickly, uh, this, the episode of Holly Quinn where she gives the henchman cancer. Yeah, I watched we, that. Oh, God. That's so good. Know. He gave me cancer. 
One of my favorite bits of this movie is when, obviously it's during the final fight, when Jason Blood shows. By the way, I love Jason Blood a lot in this movie. Me too. Uh, especially the opening scene where they're playing poker with the demons. Yeah. And that was so great. And then when uh, uh, when um, he's walking, he goes, gone, gone, the man, and rise the demon, Etragon. And then right when he turns to sell Constantine, Constantine's like, don't you play there and get. And he's like, kill joy. And just goes and attacks. Uh, like I like- every time, when, every time Etrigan just because I, I there was a book I read, I forgot what it was where Etrigan's doing the rhyme his rhyming thing, and then someone's like does is it, he's like okay do you want really Charles Soul Swamp thing, that was it when he's that like was it. He when went, he just when he just drops the rhyming scheme he's like okay look I'm gonna drop this thing and talk to you straight yeah exactly I was like I was loving when Etrigan does that uh it's great that um. Like so, Jason Blood is trying to like keep the demon within, right? And Constantine forces him out, which is a which is not a cool move, right? That's not a cool move. But then at the very end, when Constantine is like, "Hey, man, could you please?" and he's like, "Hey, thank you for asking." And then he turns into the demon. Yeah. And I'm like, he just wants courtesy. He just wants to be ni- be nice about it. But then- when when uh, when he's separated from Jason Blood, and Jason Blood starts to die. Oh yeah. But I love that it was Jason Blood that that had the the final blow because of his yeah. history with Doctor Destiny. And like he's so that was really good. Merlin sends his regards, and then yeah. he just, and he finally dies. And Batman throws the battering and, and it blows up the the crystal. But even if with Jason Blood's scene at his graveyard, where Etrigan's like, "I've known no better. I was bound to him for five hundred years, but he was my brother." Mm-hmm. So just seeing yeah. that respect, because Etrigan wanted his freedom for so long. And then seeing his this respect for Jason Blood, and John was like, "This would this was his village, this yeah. is where he was born." Yeah, um, I was like, oh, "You do have a heart, Constantine." I want to say, I think the music's awesome. It is. Yeah, I like the music a whole lot in this movie. This was the first time that I pointed out, like, the music in this movie is solid. Mm-hmm. And also, I just love how every time John walks into a room, everyone just turns. It's like the Han Solo moment when he walks into Maz Kanata's cantina. Everyone, she just turns around and yells, Han Solo! Like, you know, he's not... Uh, like, everyone hates Constantine's guts. Yeah. Like, the the the, the Specters... <laughs> bless, bless you. When they're about to try and... They're waiting to take Richie's soul, they're like, oh, I can't wait to take your soul, Constantine. <laughs> Every single person is like, oh, God, not this asshole again. Can we yeah. not? <laughs> Man, it just... I pray, I pray that that HBO show gets Matt Ryan. Because if he can do... Like real Constantine, like no, no offense to PG thirteen Constantine, but if that dude could be a true asshole, man, that would be just like that'd be like perfect. Well, He's already perfect like, the Constantine TV series. That That's, was great. That is very good, yes. But like Constantine's, like I would. He's a rated R character. He's a rated R character. Um, and you can do so much with PG thirteen, but like this movie definitely showed like he could he could really be nasty. And like like that's the part of the character that is sometimes lost. We're like this dude is not a good person. He's not yeah. a good person. He just tries to do the right thing. Um, and that's that's the thing that I that I thought this movie did pretty well. Yeah. Trinity of Sin, Constantine. Remember that book? No, I tried to block it out. The Trinity, the the Trinity War, Justice League book. Mm-hmm. I, I, stranger and pandora on the question the question fan of stranger pandora right because that's what you do you turn your your regular guy the question into an omnipotent god figure that's what you do that's i wonder what they were gonna do with that i don't know it's that... never did anything with it god <laughs> anyway oh. sorry that's uh some standouts for me were um that we haven't covered are when Zatanna and john go inside the man who almost shot his family's head 
mm-hmm. and they're glancing through the memories and the darkness comes through and, and Ryan don't do this ring sorry <laughs> um, circle thing uh, uh, also we haven't touched on that there's a poop monster in this but there's a poop monster there's a poop monster there, I, and of course Boston says huh Shit really hit the fan, and Costa's like, oh. you really had to go there, Boston." Yeah, we talked about Boston briefly, but like, I I think this Boston brand's dope. I like that every time he takes over someone's body, they take over his like his like Boston accent. So like, so like he takes over a nurse, and she's like, "I'll make sure all the guys are out of here." And I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome. I love it." There's like yeah. no more little. There's no more Looky Loos. Yeah, but right. uh, Deadman is just a, such a cool character, and like, oh. so, upon rewatching this, I want to read more Deadman. When yeah. uh, yeah, me too. I love Deadman, but when uh. When Batman is left, when they're like Zatanna, when Zatanna and Constantine go into the memories, and Batman's just sitting there. Mm. Yeah, that's my favorite part. A lot of Batman's grunts are really good. They're so well timed. Yeah, I love that Zatanna has become a Las Vegas magician lady. Like she's given up her career of like being like it looks like she's given up her career being a superhero, right? She's kind of just being like a Las Vegas lady, like uh, Mm. uh, the Tiger People. I like that. I like that character choice. Uh, and then she's brought back into the superhero world and she has a past relationship with John Constantine that they didn't just rekindle, that they didn't rekindle in the movie. Uh, I like that they had sparks, but they didn't do like a kiss or anything. Yeah, like, I agree. I like their chemistry a whole lot. He's like, I always wanted to teach you the darkest shit, but you were kind of too scared. One other, oh, one other scene, the Felix Faust scene after Zatanna rips the, breaks the enchantment where she couldn't speak in Felix Faust's Emporium. And she starts just wrecking his shit. Like she's about to, she ha- like manifests all those swords. And Constance is like, "If you sh- don't spill blood, your soul is still saved." That was that was the next note I was going to bring and, up. And then of course, when Zatanna says, "See, John, this is why I can't do the stuff you do," which is one because a it shows how powerful Zatanna really is, but also shows how she limits herself with her magic spells. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't go. Like she's teetering, but she doesn't go full into the the demonic shit. She still she does like, hey, this is useful, but also I can use it to entertain and be a show person because that's what I am. Uh, yeah, I thought all the action around Zatanna was really good. Um, that was going to be my next note, but Ben's got it covered. Uh, the uh, I feel I felt bad for Richie, and I'm impressed with how well they crafted that story around him. Um, for how little he is in the movie, I I think that coming away from Justice League versus Teen Titans, I didn't need the the Justice Leaguers getting possessed story beat again. Sure. Um, I feel like it was fine. It added to the action of the third act, but I also could have just not had that and uh i think that overall it would have been still a solid film um it just it it because these movies are so close to each other it felt a little rehashy mm-hmm. um when when the trigon possession is frankly more impressive and better yeah um cool monsters though and that's one too yeah definitely cool monsters uh uh zatanna catching superman is a really nice bit uh that i thought was really good oh yeah um and overall that was that was most of my notes for it it's weird because i can't exactly pinpoint what puts this a little lower than the other like like then teen titans versus justice league for me or justice league war but but something about it doesn't quite 100 percent mesh into what i want it to be but overall it's still really good yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, will say, I will say i think it, just comparing this to the previous film this film does feel poorly paced 
uh, by comparison, not to to like a, such a severe degree where it's bad, yeah. but where it's like uh, something feels a little off in some of the pacing beats of this film. Like I was talking about earlier with those two scenes, but even throughout, I think there's some some weird missteps in the pace. Steve, like when, you, when we watched, you know, uh, uh, the two sets of movies before this, like they're all like good to pretty good. We got our first really like, oh shit, this is a movie, <laughs> right? So now we know what a real one of these can look like. It's easy to to see where the next one is not like that. But yeah. and that's where and that's where leading into Justice League: The Judas Contract, I'm coming from because mm-hmm. to me this film is disappointing only because Justice League versus Teen Titan exists. Yeah, that's, that's, I I I get that, but. Uh, I still, I still like this one a whole lot. I didn't. I had fun with this one. I don't know. I've, one of the things I really, really had to force myself to keep reminding myself, especially with, uh, are we, are we done with Dark? Are we going to Jews contract now? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm done with Dark. Yeah, yeah I would say, uh, like, I just want to, you know, like, I was a little negative on it at the end there, and I, I don't mean to like put it down too hard because it's still high up there in amongst all these that we saw i definitely really enjoyed it i do feel like i can feel sometimes the stiffness and this is partially me having watched so much of legends of tomorrow with matt ryan being constantine but i can feel the stiffness of him doing the voice acting as constantine for the first time Mm -hmm. it's it's a little stiffer it's a little harder to hear the character the knowing what he sounds like when he's doing it in live action Um, i think he struggled a little bit on that not that it's uh ruining it's just if you if you know how he sounds when he's doing it in live action you can hear a difference okay um and i i hope that it comes through a little stronger in the later film Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, going going on to my thing, what I was gonna say about Teen Titans: The Jews Contract is I had to get the classic anime show out of my head. I, I know right, that season two does this plot line. Yeah, because season two that's that's where we see terror. Because at the end of um of what you call it of Teen Titans the of versus Teen Titans, Titans Justice League, there's like a mid credit scene where you see Terra flying over to Titans Tower. Yeah signaling like hey we're gonna hey it's Tara we're gonna do the Jewish contract next and one of the very few post Christ <laughs> she's, she's saying that as she's flying by hey it's me with Tara we're gonna do the Jewish contract she's just next. holding a sign hey guys I'm gonna be in the next movie bye <laughs> and one of the few post Christ scenes where it actually pans out yeah uh, it's true because I where's, have no idea because where, where's Ocean Master yeah. yeah I don't know and also I don't know what the last Christ scene for this movie is gonna do but seeing Tara yeah as weird, um, I forgot but, what the last credit scene for this was. It was that dude with that bullet in his head who got shot. Oh, did, like, uh, so do, do you know who that is? No, who was that? Please, that's tell supposed me. to be Jericho. Oh, huh. that that's that's one hundred percent his design from the comics, the Judas Contract. Yeah, that's Jericho. Uh, slight. Song. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Huh? Okay. Watch Titans. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> all right. Okay. So that's supposed to be Jericho. I thought it was just some random dude. Nope. Anyway, I had to really tell my keep remind myself that this is a different Terra than I know. This is a different Terra that isn't all buddy buddy with the Teen Titans. She isn't. I mean, she's gonna betray the team, but she isn't gonna be. Um, but she isn't gonna be. I mean, she, eventually she does have a thing with Beast Boy, which I kind of like. But at the same time, this is a hundred percent different Terra. Obviously, it is because seeing her with Slade and actually wanting to be with Slade ve- in a very inappropriate ways is Can just. You read the comic book. Yeah, I probably should have read the comic book because this, like, even though it's different, this is more uh, like in line with yeah. it than the original show is. Like, yeah. that yeah, original. Sure. Is, um, is I, I, told, 
I, I was telling Ben before we started recording and before you hopped on, Ryan, I was talking about like how that relationship is done in the comics and how it's done in the film and why in the comics I think it works and why in the film I think it doesn't. And also that um, I think just the idea uh, of her, of the age gap is is a lot more gross uh, right now than it was even in that comic book. Um, no, it's, it's gross any time, yeah. It's gross any time, but like there's there's an implication of like, Tara being older and a little further apart from the rest of the Titans in age than they're in the book than there is here. She seems because uh, there's a specific line, and I think it's one line to make sure that there's no pedophilia in this movie. She says, I'm not a kid anymore. Yes. So that means she's probably closer to Dick and Corey's age than than the younger 14-year-old Teen Titans or whatever. Right. Yeah, I really um, like the flashback sequence to five years. The we'll five get years into ago. that. Uh, yes, I thought that was a really good sequence. I also thought it Young meant justice actors. I also thought it meant nothing. Yeah, even though I thought it was cool, I also think it did nothing for. Well, the rest that of the that movie. that comes back around to what I was talking about. Like, it's kind of a bummer that this franchise is going to end so soon. Because uh, I would like to see them continue Corey's plot line with her sister. Yeah, sure. I mean, like we were set up with that, but we never see that's never going to come back I mean, right me bumblebee and on like the original teen times i thought that was cool but at the same time kid flash like, and kid flash thank you but it's like where they never show up again in this franchise as far as i know so for me it's a bit of a bummer because i want to see the old teen titans with starfire but they're not it's not gonna happen so it's like man they could have done something really cool there but that's, oh well it's definitely that the was, of, of the openings um but i didn't i didn't mind it uh 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 Again, it's definitely like the weakest of the three, but like I thought it was cute that Corey didn't speak, doesn't speak English, and they're trying mm-hmm. to be like, uh, it's like and Wally or Bart, whoever it is, is like, of course she's a cute alien, that's why we're helping her. I'm like, well, yeah. that's the fact because she tell after she kisses uh, Robin, she's like, yeah, my people can learn language through kissing. I know some and, French. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, high school. I was like, I could, I know some Spanish. I know uh, high school French. And Bumblebee's just rolling her eyes. Yes, uh, I think that the most it did was to just kind of add a little tiny bit of nugget of extra to Dick and Corey's relationship. And I guess yeah. for that, I appreciate it because it doesn't do much else for the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. was a cool, cool thing. Uh, I really love Nightwing's outfit. It's the I was gonna say, outfit now. Sparks, I was going to say, I was going to text you when I was watching. I was like, you got your wish. Because seeing, uh, I'm a fan of the traditional Nightwing blue, but seeing this on the screen, it looks good. It looks right. very good. Batman uh, Hush has the traditional Nightwing blue. Oh, it does. And, and I still stand by, like, I would have no problem with this design, but blue. Yeah. yeah. I just think that this design is dope. Yeah. Uh, all the red, I actually like the red designs for the Titans. Yeah. Um, Tara is, uh, very much classically designed off of how she looks in the comics that this is adapted from, um, except for her buck teeth, uh, which is fine. Just a character yeah. thing, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Uh, I think all the action beats in this are pretty good overall, too. I so uh, Sparks, we're fans of Deathstroke, Miguel Ferrer, who is who is Agent Albert in Twin Peaks, and I personally think not just because I love the actor, I think his Deathstroke is very very good. He has a menace. In a in a cold, calculated uh, way that he talks to children that I that only I think Ron Perlman has been able to to counter the way he when he's fighting Dick and he's like your judo sloppy and I'm like that's awesome that's so yeah. good and this shows that they have a history. Uh, there's uh, there's an interesting bit where so obviously Destro comes back to life um, 
because he and and he had more with Damien because Damien's part of the Teen Titans. Um, the only reason why that voice actor didn't from Son of Batman apparently didn't re, uh, reprise his role is because he passed away before they started recording this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. And I just wanted to highlight that. I think that's a bummer that he that's was crazy because Miguel Ferrer died of of throat cancer a month after this movie came out. Interesting. Deathstroke's yeah. cursed. So I, there might be a Deathstroke curse. Oh my god. <laughs> Who's got eyes on Manuel Bennett? You could say that uh, playing Deathstroke gives you a stroke of death. Oh, boy. I've heard better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I thought I was low, uh, hitting low-hanging fruit <laughs> earlier. That, you just picked that up from the ground. <laughs> uh, yours, yours was still worse. Um, what was I saying about Deathstroke? Oh, um, there's a bit. There's a bit. So apparently Jericho, when he, when he gets his powers and he's like, He's uh, being hit, and he's like, "Oh, I, I don't feel anything." And then, and then he gets shot. Yeah. And I was I like, know. "Why do? You, how did? How?" If you get hit with a crowbar, there's no damage, but a bullet can kill you. Something's wrong there. And is I'm... it the like? It was just weird because they just made a point of showing him that he's invulnerable, and then they shoot him. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't dedicate a lot of time to trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Yeah, it probably bothered me a bit more than it should have. But I no, no, I think it. it bothered you the right amount. I was oh, watching yeah. this. I was watching this kind of late last night, and I and I knew that was supposed to be Jericho too because I'd recently read those comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Wow, I can't. I really can't make heads or tails of this. I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> I'm just gonna move on." Yeah, I almost kind of feel like the Brother Blood plot shouldn't be in this movie. I uh, almost kind of agree with you. Yeah, because it it. When he dis- when he's gone, and he's gone for a lot of the movie. Uh, I forgot he was in the movie, and I was like, "Wait, what's his plan again?" Yeah, I yeah. I I really like the idea of kind of just doing like a PG thirteen version of of again of the original comic that we saw in that Teen Titans show with like Brother Blood and Deathstroke, all that stuff. Um, I I I agree. Um, I like Brother Blood and I like Deathstroke. But, and I but, even like the interpretation of Brother Blood here. I do, yeah, but, but I, uh, you took away from both of those characters by having them both be villains in the movie, even though they're working together. Uh, like, who do you want your main villain to be? Um, even though I like the way Brother Blood gets killed at the end is by his own lady. It's like, I'm saving you. Um, yeah. I didn't like... I like the idea of Brother Blood becoming a Super Scroll and taking all the powers. I don't... That's exactly like, my note. <laughs> I don't like the way he looks. I think he looks awful. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that like he could have just been himself with the powers, but he looks like like amalgamation of all of their parts put together, like a like a he does. He does like just yeah. because I, I have figured that the blue beetle armor is super like super resilient, and I, I don't know, just like all those powers. His weird, together, his like, weird like power dampener thing. That's just like it's just everyone's powers gets dampened. Yeah. So um, even know. Robins. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brother Blood has nothing to do with this comic story Um, and his inclusion took me back uh, and I I was weirded out by it and I never quite 100% came around to appreciating it its inclusion into this yeah um i feel like it still could have effectively just been what it is in the comics which is just hive hive hires slade that's Mm. it actually it's not even that slade is working off a contract that what that someone else had before just because out of Mm -hmm. honor and Um, this is only like four issues right it's like it's not like a huge it's three issues in an annual yeah it's it's a it's pretty short yes it's it's a short and so like and one of those issues is almost entirely exploring like Slade's history. Interesting. It's the longest movie of the franchise so far. Yeah. 
It is an hour and 25. And I don't feel like it's as well uh, sectioned out as Teen Titans versus Justice League uh, that we discussed earlier. I really like the fight fight sequence at the end, though. I I talk about the animation a lot. I think the animation in that sequence is very fluid and expressive and a lot of fun. Again, like all the action, like I think it keeps getting better. Like um, uh, it's just like the the some of the story stuff uh, uh was lacking. Yeah, I don't think Tara's character is balanced well. I think that um, it feels sometimes like in some scenes she's literally two separate people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes she's she's bitchy to a level where I can't accept the way the Titans treat her. It's almost like she says something rude to them and they hear something nice and respond in kind. Uh, and it doesn't work for me. Um, Tara in the comic is is bitchy to them, but she keeps it on the down low and then has her private thoughts where she's really rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this kind of trying to strike like a, oh, she's like doesn't totally get along with them. But hold on, here's this beat that doesn't exist in the comics where they're trying to build a kinship there. Um, it feels like the movie is literally at war with itself about its character, uh, its characterization. And that... Yeah detriments it the most i think yeah she's openly antagonistic to a group that she's trying to infiltrate and so like you'd think that she'd do the thing where she like she tries to be friends with them to make it easy but she only makes it hard on herself to try to be a spy in the organization that she's being a spy in you know yeah like she she didn't she didn't have to be such a jerk uh like those moments could have still been there like the teen titan show but like yeah she she went real hard sometimes and i'm like man you guys are it's like so forgiving it's so you guys are great people (laughs) right Uh, and uh, and and frequently what i was feeling throughout the film with her character is that she they needed to pick a lane because Mm -hmm. i can't have you have a tara who is flirting with beast boy and kissing him on a beach who later on says i've asked slade to do a lot of things to me but unfortunately he keeps saying no and i'm like these are not the same these can't be the same like Um, one is the comic book story version which that tara uh like the whole point of that story when it's over is that she ends up killing herself in trying to kill all the titans uh, and she ends with a story where like the narrator, the narrator for the story is essentially saying some people are just shitty. <laughs> and Tara was one of those people. And that's the story. There is no redeeming for her. There is no redemption for her. And this is kind of trying to play that story, but also try to give you some of what the Teen Titans animated series gave you. And yeah. I'm like, no, you got to pick one or the other. You cannot do both. And it really yeah. doesn't work. And the more the movie goes on, it gets worse. What if my biggest... If, if, if I might write, one of my biggest gripes was how Tara got a redeeming thing at the end, and I felt like she shouldn't have. Like, I don't feel like Tara should have, like, when Beast Boy is doing his Kevin Smith podcast, which I actually really like that cameo, I was hoping he was going to show up eventually. I, I actually like that, too. Yeah. It, that would happen in real life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that Beast Boy was taught, and we, we get that scene of Beast Boy pulling Tara out of the rubble, she looks up and she smiles and she dies in his arms, and it's like, she's straight up said that she wants to be with Slade and then the only reason why she turns on him is because he's going to throw her up on the machine to kill her. Yeah. Rib for your pleasure. It's like... Yes. No, I, I agree with you, Ben. You're making a really good point, which is the thing that like they try to give you some idea of, mm-hmm. oh, she has feelings for Gar. That's what's going to pull her back. But you're right. It's not. What they show you is that the thing that pulls her back is Slade betrays her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like that, that's supposed to be the, the last straw that kind of breaks her out of it. But it's like, no, that's that just shows that 
that doesn't feed into this redemption arc. And it's the she, wrong message. And she straight up tells Gar that she never had she never had feelings for him in the first place. Mm-hmm. And Gar is just like heartbroken. After that, I don't know what universe you're on. I don't know who would go back and dig her out of the rubble. But, and then she's like, oh, yeah, you, I did have feelings. But he was like, no, what? No. So, I, I will in, say, of all the characters, Beast Boy would be the one to do that. So, no, so I, in, the, in, in the comic, that yeah. happens. In the yeah. comic, that happens. She tries to kill them. Gar still does dig her out because he did have feelings for her. She said all those things. She said, I never loved, I never cared about you, any of that. And she meant it and she died meaning it. But Gar still pulled her out because he felt something. And she was already dead when he did. And then it shows them standing at a monument, a little monument that they make to her. And the whole message of it is, we failed you. Yeah. Which is a totally different thing from what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and- you brought up uh, wanting to remove yourself from the animated show because this is its own thing, right? Right. Okay, the the movie itself didn't do that because it feels like it couldn't just do what the comic did. Like, it felt like it would betray the fans of the Teen Titans if it didn't make Tara a good person. Like Exactly. exactly. And I'm like, you didn't have to. Because, of course, not, Tara... not that show. Because, of course, Tara, in the show, she was being manipulated by Slade the whole time. She didn't willingly join him. Slade had her on the end of a string. He was, she was her, his puppet. And then when she finally does bring the, and she does turn to stone, she does it to save her friends. And and I want to be clear in the comic, her and Slade do have relations. It's very mm-hmm. obvious they kiss. It's very clear that that's what's happening. They do a similar dolled up scene, but it's much more tame than what this movie does. Which I'll say that that was one thing I really didn't appreciate. That was a little far over the top in my opinion was the way they animated the the sexing herself up moment uh didn't appreciate it didn't like it blade is already a scumbag like you, you just by hanging out with this teenage girl even if she's 18 he's slade has white hair he's an old man right you don't need to show her all sexy to know that this is a gross relationship the fact that she's a young person that he's manipulating is enough you don't need yeah. to show us that that yeah. that scene felt like some of the what we've talked about with the sexual content of some of the other pieces not necessarily in this universe seeping into this and i was like i i just i that is at a level of uncomfortable and and not even fitting in a way i appreciate in this movie that i just don't need yeah um yeah but I, like the heart of what works so poorly for me in this is that whole Tara being split between two separate types of her versions of herself, the animated series and the comic. And it, it neither one is served properly in this. Right. Um, I will um, also say that uh, Son of Batman works to the detriment of this film because a Slade who can get his ass kicked by Damien is much less intimidating against the entire Titans team when I get to this movie, if yeah. I'm accepting that as continuity. Yeah, but he, he's stronger because of the Lazarus pit. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's true. He says that they that it, he I know he says body. it. I know he says it. I still just like son of Batman. Get out of here. You don't fit. Yeah. Um, I, do, I really I liked. Too. I really liked Jaime in this movie. Yeah. I do too. The exploration I, of his character and his family is awesome. Yeah, I liked Jaime a lot. I liked um, all the scenes where uh, Hive where Hive takes down the Titans one by one. Yeah, like when Jaime's um, on his chair, Gar is at the con, and he hits the and he hits the button. Man, of course, don't no, press. Of course, he would. Even Nightwing's like. I liked I liked Nightwing playing. I like playing. Uh, I like Nightwing playing detective. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Nightwing, Dick and Dick and Corey's relationship is really good in this movie. I, and like I, I really like it. They have solid sexual innuendo here. When I they, do, yeah, when they, when they talk about it, uh, yeah, uh, when they talk about, uh, um. 
how how Nightwing is undermining her because now she's the leader of the team and he used to be the leader of the team. Uh, I like that moment a lot. I think it's a great moment for Corey. I agree. Because, yeah, she wants to be a leader, but, like, everyone's so used to Dick. And, and she's like, she, like, he even gives out a command, and she's like, Dick, I'm right here, bro. Let me be the commander. But yeah. there's, a great, there's a great line where, like, they're training or something. And um, Corey's like, wow, Dick, you lasted such a long time. And everyone's like, ew, that's gross. And they're like, no, no, he did great in combat. When we have sex, he's very good. And right, everyone's yeah. like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Like that—that's that's the type of like maturity with Corey that I think is really. Or, fun. or of course, it's like, hey, why don't you do that? We do that move that la- you taught me last week, and she's like, well, I, I admire your boldness, but what would the the rest of the team would think? He's what like, would the kids what? think? Yeah, he's like, what? No, not that move. The other yeah. move. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those too. Yeah, me too. Um, um, I really, I really like Raven's sense of growth from the previous Teen Titans outing to this one, where it feels like she's learning to live with Trigon and yeah. uh, what's in her I head. Would, and, and I would have liked to have seen more. With the team. Yes, I, would I agree. Like to have seen more, more Raven and Damien. Yeah, in this I movie. would have too. Um, unfortunately, like they're just not centerpieces. Like that, that other movie was more their story, and this is yeah. not their story. This is Gar's story. This is right. Jaime's story. And but I see that goes to my, that goes to my thing about like. There's no more Teen Titans movies, I think. Sure, sure. Uh, but I mean, like, taking it as we have these two, I'm glad that that one was focused on them and this one decided, hey, let's pay attention to Gar. Let's pay attention to Jaime. Let's pay attention to the characters we didn't pay attention to last time. Right. Like, we still gave them stuff, but let's give these those characters more stuff now. This yeah. one had um the, the the stuff with his parents, with Jaime's parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Like, the disapproving father, and then yes. he's at the end doing the well, anime head move. <laughs> well, it's not really disapproving father. He just doesn't like the fact that his son can't get the scarab to no, but the scarab doesn't like the father yeah so the father approves he just wants to see because he says i miss my son yeah so yeah i like i i I enjoyed this one um but because where it ends because we don't see any more we don't see any progression of like uh, the other characters too um and then at the end of wonder girl is introduced yeah like, again, these characters outside of Damien who shows up in Batman Hush, I think. Which I really think is just a nod because Donna was a prominent character in the story, in the comic. Mm-hmm. So that's why they wanted to do like, oh, remember Donna? No, I want to be clear. My my biggest complaint is that there's no more. Like, that's a pretty good complaint to have. No, I, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from because like some of the best stuff we've gotten is this Teen Titan stuff and this is all we got of it. So like it is like missed opportunity, but like I'm looking at it from the other perspective of like man, like we could have gotten no Teen Titan stuff at all, and like the stuff we did get is exceptional or like really good. Um, I, I of course I want more, um, but I'm just glad like instead of having like a bunch of Batman movies that are fine, we have two good Teen Titans movies. Right. Um, just running through some of my notes here. There's a section where they're all pairing off to train against each other, which is directly from the comics. It's an allusion to that. Um, Tara is triggered in rage by Beast Boy, and that does happen in the comics from him being close and flirty with her. What doesn't happen is they don't do this exploration of Tara's past and how Slade saved her and all that. That's not actually tied into it. Um, Tara is kept in the books to be really unsympathetic. And I think they should have stuck closer to that route for this story. I I wish that they'd had the balls to kind of go there with her. Um, I really wasn't expecting Damien to learn about her so early in the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that I get, they wanted to do that to have that Damien and Slade dynamic. Um, There's a super weird almost out of place photo montage bit around Tara's 
birthday. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which like it, the way it, the way it's queued up and the way it starts, I'm like, this is really out of place. Another um, cheesy thing that does, but that doesn't work like. But the it other. didn't work in this movie because yeah. this movie didn't tone itself the same way that that one did. Yeah. yeah. Um, Damien has some savage burns on Slade, and I <laughs> love them. Um, this is our first film without Batman at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Beast Down Beast Boy's breakdown on the beach about how all the Titans have a sense of pain yeah. that they carry with yeah. them. I thought that was a solid moment. That has that's not in the comics at all. I thought that was a really solid connection. And the thing that's shitty about it is again that it's leading into this redemption arc that I don't know that should freaking be here with Terra. It, like the two are just fighting with each other throughout this movie. It makes it really hard for me to get on board with that with that story. Yeah. Um, Slade bursting through the window to fight Dick after taking down the other Titans is straight out of the comic. So that was really nice to see. Uh, I like that whole that whole action sequence. Um, I have as a note, Slade and Tara is super gross. Um, <laughs> Tara's uh, Tara's redesign towards the end of film is desperate as hell uh, yeah. to be like edgy and and dark and like I'm yeah. such like, a bad girl. Look at my like, cut hair and earrings. I like me a goth girl now. I like me a goth girl. Put on some black lipstick and I'm happy. <laughs> um, it's 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 a little for me. It was just a little like. Yeah, okay. Uh I like now now I'm going to be my bad girl self. Uh, mm. um uh Slade's hard betrayal of her is an interesting twist. I like but, it. Uh yeah, but it, again like it like Ben brought up earlier, it gives her the out of her her evil stance uh and I wish she wasn't given that. I agree. Um uh the let's see brother blood gets absolutely wrecked yes he does. um i like the cute kevin smith cameo uh damien gets a dog question mark ace the crime hound i oh, have God, that I same so. i have that same note it's not ace the crime hound it's it's the bad hound and it's probably titus yeah it probably is titus um and uh yeah, that's that's basically my notes. Yeah, my, on my, my, note is, of... my note is Raven gives Damien a puppy. So yeah. like, I I know I don't know how much of Damien stuff you guys have read, but Damien has a bunch of pets. He collects bat cows and bat cats and bat dogs. He has a an animal collection. You know, one hundred percent, I know that, but not in this not in this franchise. Well, you got to somewhere. But it's just weird that it comes really out of nowhere. It's just a very strange moment. It's not that I'm against it. It's just weird. I was yeah. like, it's a way to get two, two people who aren't emotionally easily connectable to connect over a puppy. I think it's really cute. I was like, oh, it's Titus. I'm not I'm not against it. It just it it did that that whole ending bit um totally feels a little hollow to me again because of the way they handled the Terra arc. So there's sure. a lot of this like optimistic conversation about what she means and you know what being a Titan means. And I'm like, this all feels a little jarringly off with what this story was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh but that's that's pretty much my biggest thing is just like Tara is is mishandled and it's weird because the source material has such a clear set way of of telling that she like it's so very specific that they're like some people just are crappy and you can't fix them and you can't redeem them and that's yeah. like a lesson that Gar learns. That's a lesson the Titans learn. Yeah. Um, you can't save everyone. Yeah. 
and and they could have just told that story and instead they had to kind of still filter it into this other version that exists and you can go check it out it's yeah. the teen titans animated series you didn't need to do that it exactly it feels like it's trying to appeal to everyone instead of just hey just do that comic like yeah, yeah. Uh, so before we uh, just talk for a couple more minutes because I drink a lot of Mountain Dew, so I'm gonna go to the bathroom one more time before I'm sure. Well, yeah, I, I just I just wanted to say oh, if you have more to say about, go ahead. I was just gonna say no, I was just gonna to say me. that like I, I I feel like do do you agree, Brandon? Because I know you weren't mm-hmm. saying much about it, but I think it does make the just like the the center part of what this story is supposed to be weaker. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, to have her so split focus between the two. Uh, uh i i wish i could have liked this as much as i like the other two um yeah. i still there's a lot of good in it so it still sits much higher um but i think uh again like trying to connect this as the same slade from son of batman really doesn't work for me because it makes him seem super pathetic mm-hmm. um <laughs> like that the, this this badass death stroke uh still has this petty rivalry gripe with damian wayne and i'm yeah. like i can't do this i can't that that doesn't work for me. Um, no, I I I one hundred percent agree with you. The the reason why I wasn't speaking too much is because I didn't really have anything to add. You were saying it so much better than I would. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I just uh, it's it, it it's such a uh, it's it's such an interesting arc. Those comics, um, the Judas Contract to read, and uh, I I thought, wow, this is actually kind of tied to our book club later. How this is actually a pretty profound, pronounced story to tell, where you're saying. Um, someone was on our team she betrayed us after a year of knowing us and she just straight up hated us no matter what we did and there was nothing we could do to change it she just truly felt like we deserved to die yeah uh, um and I, I think that that's a bummer that they couldn't go for that go ahead yeah. no as ryan as ryan said i think uh all three of these movies were good this was a good crop of films it was um uh, this is also the last crop of movies that i've seen because the next movie, I believe, is a Superman movie, right? Nope. So nope. the next movie is Suicide Squad: Hell to Play. Hell to right. Pay. So then I've, it is. I've, go ahead. Then, then it is Death of Superman and the Reign of Superman. Okay, so yeah, uh, the the Judas Contract is the last DC movie I've seen. Um, okay, so uh, check out next week when we talk about the next three. Until then, uh, it is time for our book club. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd uh, Comic Shop. Yeah. Hi. Um. Do you have any books? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Um, anything readable? Ryan, take it away. What's up, guys? How do you guys feel about social justice? Because I love it. Not good. Not good, really, Ryan. I mean, no. I'm just saying. Well, I got the book not for you then, Muffman. Uh, I picked a book called Green Lantern slash Green Arrow, written by Denny O'Neill, drawn by... Who's it drawn by, Brandon? Neil Adams. <laughs> Neil Adams. I think it's dope that Art Adams even uh, messaged you about it. That's dope. That was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, I accidentally, so, so Ben Sparks, if you don't know. I, accidentally I do tagged, know. I do I know. It was funny. <laughs> I, I accidentally tagged Art, Arthur Adams, who oh. is not the artist of this book. It is Neil Adams. Whoops. Um, it's cute though. Th- this arc is called Hard uh, Hard Traveling Heroes. I know that because I was looking at hard the hardcover collection that came out earlier this year, uh, which is only like thirty five dollars and looks super dope and collects all that we're about to talk about Damn. and more. 
But apparently the same team got back together and did another story where Green Lantern takes Green Arrow, who gets cosmically charged by the Lantern to space. Uh, and that's called space traveling heroes. So, what the, so this one is really interesting in the sense that it is it is reprinted issues of Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams Green Lantern run reprinted as Green Lantern Green Arrow. The mm-hmm. run that Sparks was just talking about was a dedicated Green Lantern Green Arrow written arc that was meant to be a sequel to this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this book came out in, I believe, 1983. And um, man, this I did not know what this book was before I picked it. I knew Denny O'Neill. Um, I knew this book was famous for for some reason, but I didn't realize it's because uh, it's the Green Arrow telling the Green Lantern to stop being such a shitty cop. Um, it's awesome. And it has never been more relevant than now. I can't believe I picked this book when we did now, because literally the first issue is about, hey, Green Lantern, how come you care about the purple aliens and you care about the green aliens? But what about the black aliens? Huh, Green Lantern? And he's like, oh, my God, I'm white and I don't do anything about races. And I'm like, yeah, Denny. Hell yeah. I could see why this comic was insanely popular in the 80s, because it turned a regular Green Lantern cosmic book into a radical like almost liberal look at systemic racism and it's what amazing. was so what was so interesting for me reading this book is a couple of things clearly this john uh, john's took uh denny o'neill is the reason why uh hal jordan's character has a distrust of of authority um but uh i don't now I've, I, I've i've never understood it but now i definitely don't understand how anybody can say that political comics nowadays are over are heavy-handed this is the most heavy-handed political comic i've ever this, read in my life this yeah. is yeah oh damn because when yeah. I this is be- now it's good yeah. but it is beating you over over the head but here's the thing in 1983 comics were never doing this comics that's why this comic is 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 uh, uh as famous as it is because green lantern before this was a was a traditional i'm gonna beat up a purple alien but now it's talking about systemic racism and it's just like it's it's the type of thing that comics sometimes do and sometimes they don't do and when they do it uh they go hard and it's guys like denny o'neill who, yeah. who are my, the champions my only it. thing is to say that it's kind of the criticism that people talk about like oh comics are more political these days if you like this book you don't have a right to say that no you don't yeah if you no. read this book in the 80s you don't have a right to say that uh, this I, book i want to say another there's another spider-man book that came out in either the 70s or the 80s i want to say the 80s because there's uh, that big drug epi- epidemic that was famously for ever since spider-man started was in publication they had the sticker for the comics code authority and the comics code authority wouldn't allow uh writers to talk about drugs yeah so stan lee said let's just not put the sticker on it f him Dude, there's an entire period where Batman in like the 70s was against rock and roll. Like there's there's lots of of bad ways to do this. This is a good way to do this. One of the things I really did like about this book a whole lot is looking at Green Lantern. Because Green Lantern is, especially Green Lantern, realizing that he's messing up. Like he breaks up in the first, the very first issue where he breaks up that uh, fight with the, uh, the, obviously the, the fat cat and the um, landlord yeah the landlord and then green and he's like yeah these people are committing crime and then green arrow's like yeah they were but they were doing it because he's gonna just he's gonna evict them he's yeah. gonna essentially kick all these people out on the streets and green lantern essentially was like i've just been following the letter of the law not the spirit of the law 
he right. uh, uh, Hal Jordan was a very black and white kind of person. He yeah. saw someone commit a crime. That person's a criminal. Hey, that's yeah. the end. Of, that's the end of it. And then Green Arrow, who before this was a billionaire who did not give a shit about the lower class. Then Danny O'Neill took over and realized he should actually be a Robin Hood, and that's why the character is that way. Uh, and it's great because he's like Green Lantern. Look where you you love to uh, patrol the, the 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 galaxies and the universes. Have you stopped at Earth? Have you seen what Earthlings are going through? And it's like serious, like serious issues. And again, I love it because it's Green Arrow, who's a dude who shoots a bow and arrow. And it's Green Lantern, who's who's one of the most powerful uh, 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 cops or people in the DC universe. He has a he has the willpower of a god, basically, right? Putting them together and just going on a Muppets road trip across America solving racism. That's that's awesome. That is so fun, and that's not something that happens in modern comics. Let's 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 uh slightly alter the language there, which is not solving racism, but acknowledging sorry, sorry. it. Sorry, no, no, because it's not a criticism of what you're saying, but yeah. it is an acknowledgement of what I think is the strongest asset of the comic is that each issue where they are acknowledging the problem, they don't have a solution. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. They acknowledge that the solution doesn't isn't easy it, yeah. there's no there's no version where they come in and they magically fix the day it's not and i think that's the most important part of the comics and i do think that most of them are pretty effective in the way they do it i think that there's some problematic and i think it is problematic even for the time but certainly today uh representation for native americans i think that one's a little oh, poorly yeah. done um yeah. in a big way and i do think that when we get later <clears throat> i don't know that everybody read it but when you get to the speedy arc with the uh with using dope uh that happens later in this green arrow has a uh very vicious uh response of throwing him out which is fine because they're doing it as part of a character arc of him learning however when you get to the end of it and speedy stands up to him and acknowledges that you know part of you part of the reason i turned to dope is because you kind of abandoned me you you crappy father figure and green arrow just stands there and he's like i'm so proud cry cry instead of like actually acknowledging his faults um he even has a part where he says the line i'm innocent of blame and uh i i think that there's just there is some language there that it's like uh i i'm really glad that you were talking about these things in comics but boy do i wish sometimes you were doing it a little better than you were yes well i was gonna say is um so this comic ended up being way longer than all of us thought it was going to be Uh, every issue is two comics so by the time i got to issue three actually issue six i'm like oh no (laughs) yeah uh so we didn't read the entire book but i wanted to make sure that i read the speedy arc because i've heard of it for years mm-hmm. uh and i and i knew it was collected in this edition so i want to be sure that I, wa- I read that uh that book holds up very well and i think this entire book holds up very well um and that honestly here's the thing controversial uh it's dumb that this book holds up yeah Our society should be way better than this yeah. and it's not i, I, I would that first issue yeah. where um where a black man goes, like when Ryan was mentioning earlier, a black man goes up to Green Lantern and says, "You help out the blue skins. You help out the the greens. These all these different skins. How come you haven't done anything for the the black skins? Us? Why? How come you haven't helped us?" And Green Lantern is just standing there going, "I can't answer that. Yeah, what's wrong with me?" It's uh, each each time he goes back and does the oath, and he's like, "That used to be so simple. How I mm-hmm. long." Uh, there's there's another line in there where I'm like, "That's kind of the wrong message, but that's okay." Uh, where he's saying, "How I wish I could go back to before to to when it was simple, to when it was black and white." And it's like, "No, Green Lantern. The point is that you're learning. You learn. The point is to be educated." Yeah. And again, <laughs> there's um, a couple. Of, sorry, Brian. Go. 
no yeah uh it, it's again this it this did come out in the early 80s so yeah the the writing style it is more it is incredibly heavy-handed but also comics written in the 80s are not written the way they are now they're just it's just not the same For um sure. but yeah there's a few times where he where how jordan just kind of tosses green arrow his ring it's just like here hold this for me i'm gonna slug this guy yeah, yeah. again it's very hold different my weave. hold my weave <laughs> very different universe than it is now um uh that's all yeah he's so excited i don't know um yeah i i think that there's uh there's you know uh it, it it is a product of its time and i fully acknowledge that and i and i praise it endlessly for like having the balls and especially in its time period to do and tell these kind of stories and everything um it's one of those things where i definitely really specifically with the native american ones and i and i wanted to look a little bit into the discourse that does exist around this is i wish that at the time he had taken a little more of a hand at researching or kind yeah. of knowing what he was talking about. Cause that the native American one to me feels very prominently like a, maybe you need to stay in your lane on this one because you exactly. definitely didn't know what to be saying. Yeah. You're, I, Cause again, um, it, it's a funny thing because you have this, you have this white team, these two white dudes trying, trying to uh, spread some positivity in comics, however they do. So they, they do stuff where they're like, we want to try to help uh, a black people but they're unknowingly do bad stuff with the Native American stuff. Cause like they use racial, like they yes. use some bad language in there that, yes. that, that I'm just like, Oh man, like you're trying to do a good thing, but you're being racist right here. Well, the two, and the, the, sorry, Sparks of MA, the two, when the, the issues are, are collected, they were collected in the eighties. They actually came out in the late sixties. So oh, this, shit. okay. Yeah. So this is the same time. This is the same time period where uh, Lois Lane decided to change her skin color to black yeah, just yeah. to figure out what's going I mean, they but, tried, but but none of this, yeah. uh, none of that is to like discredit that. I I know Denny O'Neill's trying to like raise awareness. Um, it's just there's a difference between raising awareness and trying to, uh, capture the voice. And Denny O'Neill tried to capture the voice without doing the work for Native American for the Native American story very specifically. And yeah. uh, I wish if he was going to do that, that he'd either done the work or he just hadn't tried to capture their voice, but just tried to like from a more outside perspective raise awareness. Um because that that's one of those times where like and again i'm not faulting for him for it i know it's a different time period uh but it's it is one of those things that makes specifically that story harder to hold up today because yeah. it's it's very much a representation of you're kind of just uh lending more into the stereotypes rather than you're helping to break them down um but that being said i i applaud still the effort and uh, i think that overall a lot of the stories that are told here are doing something with very strong forward momentum it's funny because when you hit the arc after they lose the guardian from oa on the other planet um it's very clearly like we're done with that story and now it's going to be a little less focused on political stuff oh wait speedy's on dope <laughs> and, then, and then it hits right back on the gas for it uh, we haven't. No, th those issues are are years apart, by the way. When no, I get it. I get printed. it. But but when it's all put together, yeah. uh, you feel you feel that like jerky whoopness yeah. of it. Uh, we haven't talked about the art at all. Uh, if this did come out in the late '60s, are you kidding me, dude? Neil Adams is a legend for a reason. This book looks so effing good. Green Arrow. This is the best a Green Arrow will ever look. Like no joke, no joke. This is like the part, especially with the wide eyes and like the beautiful the the mustache. Like this is like this is the best Oliver Queen will ever look. I love this look so much. Green Lantern looks great too, but like I've seen him drawn really well. But like this is this is this is the way I want my Green Arrow to look and sound. Like the pretty birds, like dude, the stuff with the the Colt and Black Canary. I thought that was awesome. 
Uh, yeah. I thought it was really good. Her eventually kicking ass. Uh, like her judo is better than mine, or her jujitsu is better than mine and stuff. Yeah. The the cult story is a really great example of like uh the the messaging of um when they beat Joseph and it's like, you know, we don't understand why evil men like that prey on innocent people. And unfortunately there's so many like them and, and how do you solve that problem? And there's really no answer. And I, and I do, I do think that's a really good way to do it. I love um, when, when the, when the guardian becomes a human um, and he has to choose between saving a bunch of people or saving the green lantern, he saves the green lantern and then he's brought to Oa because mm -hmm. that's, that, that's not the right thing to do. And this, and much like the green uh, lantern, the guardian is learning what humanity means and how maybe the needs of the many uh, don't outweigh the needs of the few or whatever. The, you know what I mean? Like saving right. one person is worth it than saving a bunch of random people or whatever. Um, and it's just it, finding the humanity for these characters who kind of lack a little bit of it is, especially in the 60s, is like fa it's truly fascinating, man. Like I, I'm so glad I decided to read this. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a cool look back in the history of like, man, they comics have been trying. They've been trying to be progressive, even if they failed a little bit. They've been trying since the 60s. They've been trying since they've been made. For sure. I'm really glad we read this, especially after talking about all the things Eddie O'Neill did. Like, I, I really like this a lot um, on a whole. I, I think it's really great that that things like this were being discussed, even just to raise awareness, even just to be like provocative. When he gets to the dope issue uh, with Speedy, he like straight up opens it with like, a lot of people are going to say this story should be told, but you know, screw them. Here it yeah. is. Uh, yeah. and, and I like that whole attitude about it. Um, this collection ultimately rounds out after the Speedy Dope stuff with the introduction of Jon Stewart, which was really cool to read. Mm -hmm. um, um this this uh this these issues were published in 83 um the first issue that it collects was published in 1970 i just wanted to point 1970 yeah cool. throw that that correction man that's that's so long ago this book looks so good like like neil the man every every con neil adams has the biggest the biggest booth he has this huge ass booth and after reading this book i'm like wow this dude's been doing this for 50 years mm -hmm. like man yeah. After Incredible. looking at this art, because there are times where I see, oh yeah, I know the name Neil Adams, I recognize his art, but it's like, man, he, he this is this is a little, uh, I don't know, presumptuous maybe, or I, I don't know what the right word is. It's kind of like a, e egotistical. Re after reading this, is like, nah, never mind, he deserves it. No, yeah, he's no, he's a legend, hundred yeah. percent. that dude yeah. has placed his mark. Yeah, yeah, incredible, incredible art for sure. Uh, very effective, very evocative all throughout. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff with uh, the balance of uh, Black Canary. I like the stuff when uh, the Oliver um, going to Dinah's aid causes uh, Hal to talk to Carol and reveal that he and ha he and the Green Lantern are the one and the same. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of cool moments in there. Um, okay, nothing cool. I have nothing else. No nah, man, uh, I'm 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 super glad. Uh, well, I'm oh, I'm super glad. I'm very sad that Denny O'Neill passed away. Uh, uh, I wish I would have read this sooner. Um, I'm I'm glad I got to read it now. Uh, that dude left a legacy unlike anyone else. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's good motivation now to want to read more of his stuff. I'll say that for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so next week is my book club. Um, I. Uh, inspired by uh, Sparks' Sparks's pick and Ryan's unintentional uh, social justice pick, uh, I decided to do to to do my own. I've wanted to read this for a while. I picked Superman Smashes the Clan. Hell yeah! Uh, by Gene Leon Yang. Yeah. If you didn't do it, I was gonna do it. So uh, yeah. with art by oh man, Gurry Gurry Hero Gurry Hero. 
Sorry. Um, but yeah, so Superman Smash the Clan next week. Hell yeah, baby. All right, guys. That will do it for this week's episode of the Figner Podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, Death of Superman, and Reign of the Superman. Wow. Um, we also have a... You guys are watching this on YouTube. If you guys listen to it afterwards, we have a ton of stuff on YouTube right now. Uh, the audio feed has the link in the description below for our YouTube. Uh, you can uh, watch our Fake Nerds Watch uh, ch- uh, series. Hey, guys. Watchmen is free on HBO, on Hulu. Hulu. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out that show. It's great. And then check out our talking about it afterwards. If you want. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we have a bunch of other show after shows watch, watch on Fake Nerds Watch. Um, and more to come. Uh, Basement Arcade, we are still going through Mortal Kombat 9. We got our second hate mail. I just uh, still want to brag about that. Oh, hell did we, yeah. Did we I really? I can't wait to read it. I haven't he seen did. it. I haven't it's, seen it. It's paragraphs. Oh my gosh. That, yo, that means he cares enough to write paragraphs, so that's a win for, win for me. Um, I responded. Uh, if, if I doubt you're listening, but if you are, look, at it, did we recorded these months ago, so, you know, sorry. <laughs> Almost a year ago now. Yeah. Wow. Um, so sorry, we can't address your your criticisms. Um, but we are going through fake. Uh, we are going through Mortal Kombat Nine right now. I don't know. And... I'll I'll read it and see if I feel like I can address it. And I then another can. one. And then no, you can't. <laughs> um, and then uh, look, I'll just say it. it's about because we think that Sonya Blade and Katana and Melina shouldn't be dressed in skimpy outfits. And oh, it's so still it's... that. It's that, that again. So it's that comment from the last time. So it's a sexist person. That I don't give a shit. It's the it's a it's pretty good. It's a pretty good read, I must say. Hey guys, Ooh. uh I actually talked about this literally today with my family because I was talking about the one time that people have really publicly disliked something we said. Look, the costumes in Mortal Kombat 9 are super sexist. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, um, they were designed by guys. That is very sure? sexist. I, thought, I think that was Ben. Ben's. That was. Is that all our newest video? Because I'm at the newest video. I don't see it. Yeah, it's our newest video. Oh, he might have deleted it. I, I can find it. No yo, comment. Yo, dude, I, I right screenshotted now. it. I screenshotted it. So oh, I'll man, send it to you. you might have I, to... cannot, I can't wait to read paragraphs. That's hilarious. Yeah, so he, he deleted it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, also, you can check us out. Uh, you can check out our new show, brand new show, Fake Nerd Book Club, with a new logo designed by Mike Matola. Also, shirts available now because I love my some shirts. Um, we are talking about Wasted Space, written by Michael Morecci, who responded to our to our Instagram post about it, which was really cool. cool. Um, so we are going through that. We just we just we just did Volume One of Wasted Space, uh, Wasted Space for Fake Nerd Book Club, and we are going to do Volume Two probably this week. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. See what happens. Um, we also a Funko affiliate. We have a Funko affiliate link in the in the description below. You can use promo code Shop Ten for ten percent off your purchase. Um, by clicking the link in the description. We also have a Patreon and we have a TeePublic if you'd like to support us. Uh, Fakner Book Club is on TeePublic now. It's a cool logo, guys. Mike Matola is a genius. Um, and yeah, and our Patreon, we have got the two tiers. Thank you, Joey Zahn, for subscribing to our first tier Patreon, a $5 tier where you get really everything. Um, we also have, if you want to check out all that, we have a link in the description for our website, www.fakenerpodcast.com. It is in the scrolly thing on the bottom of the video. It's like the news. Yeah, uh, you can find that also in the link in the description. My new article is up there. Um, check, read, read that if you'd like. Um, guys, thank you. Thank you, everyone who listens. Thank you to the two people who popped in for a second to this live stream. Thanks. Um, 
And thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. We greatly appreciate it. There's no show without you guys. Uh, you are literally getting us through uh, a horrible time in our country. Um, and Or perhaps a brilliant time in our country. We'll see what happens. Um, I was listening to uh, a football star on The Daily Show talking about it. And he said, you know, as terrible as the coronavirus is, I don't think we'd be having the social unrest and systemic racism conversations we are if people were able to just go about their lives as normal. So in some ways, at least something nice is coming out of it. That is 100% true. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for our theme tune and our interim music. If you're listening to this on the audio feed, um, new interim music, guys. New interim music coming for episode 200. I've just spoken with him. So, so definitely say goodbye to our fake nerd book club sketch. Definitely that one because I'm tired of that. Um, <laughs> um, you can find you can find his show Suburban Proctologist. Sorry, he's at Jeremy Village Keyboards. You can find his show Suburban Proctologist. Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Suck Podcast. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. It's really funny. Check that out now. Nine episodes. Thank you to Mike Matola. Three logos for us now. Uh, five. Mike Matola's possible movie trivia challenge featuring the fake nerd podcast an x-men discussion an x-men discussion guys we love mike patola he's great i'm looking at a mike patola print um uh, hopefully we can get him on again you can find him at mike matola on instagram and twitter you can find us on twitter instagram facebook all on fake nerd podcast fake nerd guys at gmail.com if you have such as personally i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter sparks uh you can find me still demanding justice for brianna taylor rethinking how i feel about megan fox actually really just re-justifying how i always thought about megan fox and continuing to push that we need to keep caring about black lives matter at sparks witty on instagram and twitter s-p-a-r-k-z witty ryan everything he said times two uh i'm dj tony snark everywhere um i still don't have i so apparently this mic sounds pretty good uh, because I, I don't listen to my own things, but Michael Carls at a Down Right Nerd podcast said this sounded pretty good. So I might start streaming again this week because I haven't been streaming because my mic's broke. But I might just use this one. So catch me at DJ Tony Snark if you want to see me play video games. Love you, Ben. So yeah, also everything that that guy above me said, and uh, you can find me on the internet at Ben Magnet Twenty Seven on Instagram, and Twitter, and you can also find me writing about old school video games for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds. <laughs>